Cradeline Network. Borag Dong Earthlets. My name is Conrad. Welcome to the next of Space Spinner 2000's Judge Dredd Complete Case Files Collections. With this series, we're collecting our coverage of Judge Dredd from his earliest adventures onward, as they are can be read in the comic collections that Rebellion publishes. We'd love to be your accompaniment on the many cases of Judge Dredd. With over 100 progs done, we're now at a point in, with Judge Dredd where you can feel John Wagner, the author who wrote all but two of the stories in this collection, wants to flesh out the world around Dredd, create a bit of what we now call lore and world building for the lawman of the future. After a big open for the character and a pair of massive epics, this case file can feel a bit quieter, but in my opinion, it's at least as important as the previous one in establishing concepts and storylines that'll be important for Dread going forward, to say nothing of locking down the feel of Mega City 1, the city that really does take center stage in this case file. Going through this one, I was really surprised by how much gets seeded in the pages. Things like Dread's niece, the concept of city blocks, the escalation of conflict between Mega City 1 and the Sov cities, Mob Blitzers, Auto Sump, Boing, Upti Candy, Satanus, The Long Walk. And that's before you get to the double debut of Judges Anderson and Death, which will be so important for these comics going forward. This case file also has amazing artwork, especially, in my opinion, by Ron Smith, who's often an overlooked Dread artist. I say, I often say, no one destroys Mega City One like Ron Smith, and he gets two chances this case file in both Father Earth and the Black Plague. And there's also a bonus destruction of this city drawn by John Cooper in the Plastine Disaster. The city gets destroyed three times this, ish, this case file. It's amazing. Um, before we go forward with the with the comics, though, I should correct one thing. Um, in the original, I said um, that Judge Anderson was based on the singer Debbie Harry, but that's completely incorrect. Don't believe Conrad's lies as you go through this case file. Um, we've since, or I've since learned that uh, Anderson's actually based on 2000 AD assistant editor Deidre Vine. That's who you want if you're looking for your correct Anderson um, inspirations. All right. Record corrected. Let's get to the comics. Episode 34. Progs 115 to 119. June 1979. Next up, actually, a, a, um, t three of these uh, Judge Dredd stories are big, like, sets... Um, scene setting Judge Dredd stories, even if some oh, of them yeah. take a long time to pick to uh, to set up. So our second story is an interesting one where a madman. It's adorable. Yeah, he's kidnapped Vienna, who is Judge Dredd's niece, and she is super cute. I actually wrote that she's adorable in my notes, which I think is kind of funny. 
It's she is she's so sweet. She loves Joe. Yeah, of course the timing is questionable because Rico came back to Earth after doing twenty years in <laughs> uh, in Titan. So how he has like a seven or eight year old daughter while he, when he was on Saturn's moon in prison for twenty years is better not to think about. Just uh, just he go was with 10 it. Or saved his seed. Well, there yeah, we it would mean that he would have to father her while he was in prison. Anyway. Oh God. Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to gas or I don't want to shine too much of a spotlight on this. There's a there's a little kid. He's she's uh, Joe Dredd's niece, Rico's daughter, and now she's been kidnapped by Harry C, a wizard with electronics who's got like a skull grills for teeth. He's a son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, he's booby-trapped his apartment like crazy. There's, like, lasers and ankle traps and spitting blades and then one of those blade pendulum things <laughs> that starts to, like, um, swing ever closer to Vienna. Luckily, Dredd uh, stuns Harry and shoots himself free and then pulls Vienna free from the swinging blade. I do want to make special mention that he's labeled all of the buttons like the blade button and then the stop blade button. I appreciate and the manacle retract button. He's just living up to OSHA um, uh, settings, you know. He's got to clearly oh. label everything. Just because you're an insane madman doesn't mean you shouldn't be safe, Fox. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I prefer it. Um, during the fight, Harry lets slip that Dredd is the one that killed Rico, but Vienna forgives him because she's just the perfect little girl or whatever. Yeah, she snuggles him at the end. It's super cute, yeah. but then, you know. But, but then Dredd tells her foster mother that he's leaving and he won't visit anymore because she has to stop loving Dredd. That's horrible. According to his thoughts, is the only way to save Vienna's feelings for the future. Because he's going to die one day because he's a judge and he's like, I just don't want her to like me when that happens. That's right. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Vienna yeah. Dread will return in, <gasps> in 2002. Oh, God. <laughs> it's so long from now. I, uh. I can't stress enough how long it is. It's 1200. She comes back in like Prague 1300. Oh, God. <laughs> It's like a thousand a hundred procs. It's like a thousand two hundred procs. Oh God! <laughs> See you in ten years. Listen, listener. um, I mean, actually, literally twenty years. Oh God! <laughs> See you when you're like fifty. Well, no, sorry, twenty prog years. Um, oh. that's more like like five show years. <laughs> All right. All Anyhow. Right, Oh, yeah, put a pin in it. Um, <laughs> which means that the actual big character that we get introduced this week is like the concept of the Mega City One city block. Oh yeah, I liked this a lot. So we'll see more and more of these blocks as time goes by. They're usually named after celebrities, often kind of ironically. In this case, it's where we sort of find out about the Charlton Heston block. Well, what I liked a lot about what they said in this, it's like in one of the little blurbs, is like, you will be born and then die in a block, never having actually gone out into Mega City. Yeah. Because there's just everything in there. Why would you leave? Yeah, it's basically in our, in a, I forget what they call it, Arcopolis, whatever, whatever the, the big oh. thing that, that you built at the end of, of a SimCity 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your reference. Um. But yeah, each block holds like 60,000 citizens, and you can, in fact, live your whole life from hospital to crematorium inside one block. That's cool. 
This week's uh, this week's story starts with Dredd walking through one of these blocks when he sees a citizen and he calls out to him and the sit starts running. Dredd gives chase and it's a madcap journey through the block, through indoor gardens and beaches, and the citizen starts starts taking hostages. He barges through a hospital and then commandeers an ambulance and drives off. Dredd stops the car with a daring jump and arrests the citizen. This is, like, really intense stuff. It's an an awesome, like, chase. There's just all this, like, um, Ron Smith does the art for this, and it's really amazingly detailed of just everything going on at once in this, like, in this city block. There's so much going on in the background. There's so much detail paid to every single part of this, like, huge building that everybody lives in. I I really like the uh, robot who's like, hey, baby, you can't do that. (laughs) So during sentencing, Dredd asks the citizen why he ran. And it was basically just because Dredd called, like, yelled at him and he was afraid of Dredd. So he's like, I got to (laughs) go. Which, bad idea. Yeah. Uh, Dredd was apparently just stopping him because he dropped a candy wrapper. And now this guy is going to go to jail for quite some time. So, yeah, like a really long time. So don't litter is the basic uh, message. <laughs> and uh, keep the green cross code. Come on. Man, that's for crossing the street. God. Yeah, well, he ran in front of some traffic, shoved some people over. I mean, come on. Okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> so our next story is there's is basically just there's very little work to be done in Mega City 1. Uh, so quick comment here. I was yeah. talking to a friend who's who's here with me today uh-huh. um, about what I was reading in Judge Dredd and yeah. explaining that people were going crazy because they didn't have any work to do. Mm-hmm. And this was mind-blowing to him. He's like, why? Leisure. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, we've heard previously that the average citizen has te- a 10-hour work week at best in Mega City 1. And this apparently causes people to freak out. We see like people in city blocks destroying cleaning robots to mop the floors themselves. And like, like they're really happy doing yeah. it. There's a block like caretaker who's being fired and replaced by a robot caretaker. And like even like there's an unemployment counselor who kind of finds people jobs and he gets, gets super <laughs> maced in the face. Yeah, he basically gets killed and someone steals his job to do it. The canister says Super Mesa. It's it's good. Yeah. <laughs> even people are even like robbing banks because they've got nothing better to do, you know. Oh god. They taught me how to work, but they can't teach me how to shirk correctly. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh Sorry. my god. That's amazing. There's a song, uh ec- one of my fa- one of my top bands, uh, XTC, has a song in the 80s that's called Leisure, which is literally about this situation. That's amazing. Of, like, some guy who's, like, on the dole and wants to work, but instead the government is making him sit at home and blah, blah, blah. It's like a wailing song. About, it's, it's, it's like a wailing dirge about uh, not being able to, do, to have a job. God never have uh, i it, it's it ends up just being a funny song because i can't empathize with this i don't want to work at all uh, exactly <laughs> correct anyhow the story ends with that caretaker guy going nuts and sniping people from his apartment well uh, his wife knits and watches tv he basically says like listen you've got your knitting and your tv watching i, I that job was all i had so now i'm going kill crazy <laughs> 
The story ends with Dredd stopping that caretaker and then sentencing him to a lifetime of hard labor to much rejoicing. Yeah, like, and in his mind, he's like, yeah, you know, some of these cases, I, I just can't help, but it gets to my heart. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, so the final story, and, ah, oh, geez, it's a Walter story. Or a, uh, a Walter Stowey. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Walt is impressing the robots down at the laundry. Stop it. <laughs> with dread tales. Basically, he uh, he interrupts Dwed for with lunch while he's taking down some bank robbers. Though so he also saves Dwed by throwing a pie in the face of one of them. Because for, for obstruction, Dwed sends Walter to jail for interfering. I don't know how to do that one with the investigation. Since Walter is a fwee bot, he has to go to human jail, and he spends the month in captivity uh, decorating his, his cell with Dwed stuff, which drives his cellmate insane. Huzzah! You're driving me crazy, man. Stop. Next on Judge Dredd, the forever crimes. Wait, forever crimes? That's what it says. You, We'll see next time. It's pretty good. Um... Hey, I've got a joke lined up for it that I don't want to do here because it'll ruin it for two weeks from now when we talk about this. But oh, it's a good joke. Episode 36. Progs 120 to 123. July 1979. Thrill one. Judge Dredd. So here we open to a near perfect close-up of Judge Dredd's bed. <laughs> He's getting sassy back of his thumbs on his belt loop. He's looking great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this week, Dredd is investigating a... Oh, so I should say Judge Dredd... All Judge Dredd this week is written by John Wagner as John Howard. The art robots, Brian Bollins. The art robots are Brian Bolland, Ron Smith, or Brian Bolland and Ron Smith, and the lettering robot is Tom Frame. So, we start this issue with Dredd investigating a suicide at Forever Towers. He inve- he's investigating a suicide that is not where the suicide was. <laughs> Forever Towers is a suspended animation home for rich people. Like, you're rich, and so they, you, you freeze yourself to stay there so that, you know, until they discover the cure for whatever killed you. Interesting. Do they do... Uh, I guess they're all holding up for reverse aging. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he questions an old lady who tells him that her son was being blackmailed by a guy named Jurgen Monks. Dreg- oh, and when she says that, she's like, all right, just kill me instead of refreeze me. It's, no, it's not worth going if my son's dead. It's really horrible. Yeah. So uh, Dredd goes to investigate. He finds Monks at a Shuggy Hall, which is some sort of sp- uh, future pool type establish- type yeah. game. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, Monks runs and Dredd gives chase. He tr- Monks tries to escape by sliding down a laundry chute, but buddy, it's actually a garbage disposal. <laughs> it basically oh just, God, it's got his legs. just eats him up and completely and completely kills him. Dreads just left holding his vest, which luckily happens to have his address and front door key in it. Hooray. Yeah, they investigate and they find a treasure trove of evidence on all the city's top people, and it looks like Dread was blackmailing everybody. Or, or like, like Monks was was blackmailing everybody. But Dredd's suspicious because he doesn't know where Monks got all this info about people. Yeah, it doesn't add up. Yeah, so he follows up at Forever Towers where he finds out that the head doctor of, of, of the Forever Towers is lightly defrosting people and stealing their secret information. 
is basically making them delirious and like interrogating them about their worst possible secrets. Exactly. So he, the doctor and Dredd have a big gunfight. Uh, Dredd's helmet gets frozen by an ice gun, which prevents he gets frozen onto his head, of course. So we can't see, but that and is then, a... yeah something. It's like the perfect timing to bring back some Judge Dredd powers. Yeah. So the, even though he can't see, that doesn't stop his homing bullet. And in the end, the doctor is ironically sentenced to being frozen into suspended animation until medical science develops a cure for being shot in the face. So he can then serve his full sentence. Yeah. Yeah, his life term. (laughs) So it's so Judge Dredd, it's amazing. I just like... If we, there was a Simpsons episode where um, Monty Burns, where it's the future and Mr. Burns is, um, it's a suspended animation, and Smithers is like, oh, someday we'll unfreeze you, Mr. Burns, once we can find the cure to 17 stab wounds in the back. <laughs> and the scientists in the room are like, he, he like asks the scientists how they're doing, he's like, we're up to 15, hooray! <laughs> I remember that, so amazing. <laughs> So the next story is another Walter telling stories um, story where Walter's talking about dread at the laundromat in, uh, in, in the robot laundry, basically. Yeah. This time he tells a story about a kid that got beat up while impersonating a judge and trying to stop some burglars. This kid, Ralphie, um, is then is an orphan and is unloved by his foster parents. So Dredd convince Academy Principal uh, Griffin, who's currently Chief Judge, but not at the moment, to let Ralphie join the Academy, despite being way too old to do so. Like, usually you, you join the Academy at, like, five, and Ralphie is, like, nine or ten or something. Right. And already, like, I mean, before this point, he, like, when he intervened with this thing and got the crap kicked out of him, like, Judge Tritt's like, dude, you keep doing this, and people are just beating you up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so he's got, like, this history of just, like, not listening to people, I guess. Yeah. So, one, uh, th- things are going pretty good, but then one day Ralph, uh, Ralphie slips out of the academy to try to stop a truck hijacker. Dredd comes along and stops the crime, but Ralphie has committed a serious breach of protocol by sneaking out of the academy. Which, bad news, dude, there's only, like, one verdict for that one. Yep, yeah, he's kicked out and he's sent to a regular orphanage, which is a bummer, of course. Uh, Dredd seems to be upset by this, but only kind of a little, because he's now just super hard, Judge Dredd, basically. Yep. He regrets, like, giving Ralphie hope, essentially. Which, jeez, man. And it seems like he still visits Ralphie at the or- at the orphanage now and then, I guess. Right. And, like, I, I mean, the way that Walter puts it, he's like, oh, he's like a real surrogate father. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's Judge Dredd, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, Ralphie will... We'll see Ralphie now and then as the comic progresses, and they'll have a big showdown in the early 2000s. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, next Prague, um, there's a small trading post on the Cursed Earth that gets attacked by the Doomsday Dogs! Oh, jeez. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, they're like these uh, raider guys, and they all wear masks of different breeds of dogs, basically. Which, you know, cute, but also had what? I'd say more terrifying than cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, in a big way. Especially when it turns out that there's a whole army out front with their leader, Father Earth, 
who's an old guy who's basically completely covered in plants and stuff that are like growing out of his skin. It's really gruesome, but also like I can't tell if it's hippie scare or or hippie inspired Judge Dread related violence. Oh, I think it's definitely a sort of, sort of a combination of the two. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So he sentences this trading post couple to death. I, as you do, and then swears to destroy Mega City One as well. Uh, that oh, okay, go for it. Uh, just that retribution will arrive on that cursed city. And then immediately afterwards, two hippie babes start watering him with watering. Cans. Absolutely. You, know, you got to maintain his crazy vine growths, buddy. <laughs> like that's it's not bizarre. In, that's not easy, you know. <laughs> I guess, but then he, and it's only after I said, oh, like, thank you. Today is doomsday! And it's like, whoa, all right. I mean, that seems pretty par for the course for your average cult leader, TBH, you know? Yeah, no, it's fairly true. <laughs> Super creepy. <laughs> but so, um, you know, there's an army amassing outside Mega City 1. Judge Dredd wants to handle them, but Judge Pepper says no. They need as many judges as possible to provide security for the Mega City 1 mayoral election. Which, again, this comes up. There's a mayor of Mega City 1? I guess so. Um, I guess he must be like a figurehead for the Justice Department, basically. We did see the current mayor during the Judge Cal story, just kind of like um, cow towering to cow, like he made cow, like cow made him cluck like a chicken, basically. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not a big deal, I'd say. It doesn't seem like it, but people seem all up in arms about it. Well, like I think as a figurehead, it's a good way to distract the populace. You know what I mean? No yeah, fair dues. Um, so. Everybody's watching, so everybody's watching, or sorry, blah, blah, blah. There's massive demonstrations going on for the different mayoral candidates, and also tons of crime going on as well. Like, Judge Dredd stops a guy that's got like a thousand wallets that he's stolen over the course of the day and stuff. God. Everybody's watching election coverage, even the robots, the Mega City One Power Tower, at least until Big Cyril, the overseer, comes so over awesome. and tells them to knock it off. I'm a big, I'm a huge Big Cyril fan. I got to say, he's just like, hey, you guys can't even vote. Get back to work. Exactly. So this tower, the power tower, is built on top of a huge bore drill that gets geothermal energy from the Earth's core. It's way safer than like a nuclear pile or anything like that, but it'd be a disaster if some if someone ha if something happened to it. But there's no way that that would happen unless these guys in robes who are getting the tour of the power tower currently are actually the dang doomsday dogs. Which they are. Like no one checked. It's like, literally, that's the thought process of the robot giving the tour as he kind of notices that the guys in robes getting the tour seem very, very uh, suspicious. Yeah, which, like, you didn't notice that the entire way in that the creepy hooded figures with creepy glowy eyes. He's got, a lot, on his, he's got a lot on his mind, you know? I guess. I mean, he's a tour robot. He's only got one thing that should be on his mind. Uh, he could be a couple. He could be a couple different kinds of robot, honestly. Okay. So uh, the demon dogs plant explosives on the drill, and they prepare. The doomsday dogs are attacking the power towers, lava pipes. Oh, jeez. So uh, they shoot a robot through the mouth. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so horrific. And, like. <laughs> 
a little way. Yeah, so Dredd leads a patrol to try to stop them. They manage to take them all down before they can set off their explosives and all is well. But Dredd's worried that these uh, no-good muties might have some other trick up their sleeves. Especially because Father Earth seems very smug out in the Cursed Earth. Getting trimmed by his babes. Mm-hmm. So Dredd sort of rides out to sort of run them off, but it's no good. They're like, yeah, we'll take you down. Meanwhile, as the election nears, we learn that everybody in Mega City One votes via video, pa- via home video panel. So everyone watches TV, basically. Yeah, and then presses a button on like their their remote, essentially. <laughs> At the same time, in sort of a five minute window, essentially, Dread realizes that this voting stuff will cause a massive uh, power demand, which will activate the auxiliary lava feed pipes. He has robots check those pipes, and they find more bombs in them. God damn. Yeah, the bots try valiantly to remove those bombs as Dredd tries to stop the vote from happening, but it's too late for both of them. The bomb goes off and the power tower explodes into a massive urban volcano. It's really horrific. Yeah, next episode, meet the Holocaust Squad. I'm kind of interested to see what that means. Yeah. (laughs) Because... It's a little intense. I think it's the uh, massive disaster Holocaust squad as opposed to uh, the World War II-based Holocaust squad. Got you. Episode 37. Progs 124-127. to August 1979. Thrill 1. Judge Dredd. Nicely done. Indeed. Uh, Script robot for Judge Dredd this month is John Wagner writing as John Howard. Art robot's Ron Smith. John Cooper and Brian Bolland, lettering robots Tom Frame. You were uh, you were telling me before because I think Tom Frame does a damn good job. Yeah, he does um, like eighty percent of the lettering for all of these two thousand eighty comics. You see his name constantly. Yeah, is it just like it's pretty normal to go with the same people? Then I feel like it is. I mean, um, like back in the sixties, like in the Silver Age of Marvel and stuff, they had like two guys doing the lettering for all their stuff. Uh, Sam Rosen and Artie Semek, and just like it, d- it just feels like if you're a letterer, you just churn out as much as much as you can. I think mm. it's, it's it, it is one of those jobs where you're like paid by the page or by the panel or word or something like that. You know, that's pretty awesome. Because what I will say is like it's fairly clean because you can see this exploding tower and these. It this is a the the first couple pages of this are completely horrific. Yeah, like it is amazingly well done, and things aren't are just like not in the way. It's super awesome. Yeah, so we we pick up where we left last week, where the disciples of Father Earth have set up a huge bomb inside Mega City One's geothermal power system, the uh, tower, the the power tower, and now <laughs> the, the tower building of power exactly. And now the uh, building <laughs> is a huge volcano spilling lava onto the streets, and the art for this is just amazing. Like Ron Smith is just draws like the this massive chaos of lava flying through the streets. Uh, mutants attacking the city and just be people sort of running for cover and stuff really awesome it just gets a huge sense of like chaos and like incident that's very awesome so like the two that stuck out to me was like there's this apartment that cracks in half and this guy's like dorothy and this woman's like falling to her death into yeah. like this lava explosion there's another one where judge dread's trying to save this woman and she falls through a crack in the street only to have him like run up to try and grab her hand, but instead, like the crack just crushes back together. Yeah, it just slams shut. There's just hands coming out of this crevasse <laughs> thing. It's awesome. This is so intense. Yeah. So, 
Dread takes down some of the uh, some of the muni attackers, but ends up just barely outracing a huge wall of lava. And After which... one of them runs into the wall of lava. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just total like chaos. Everybody's dying. No one knows what's going on. Eventually, Dread is the cool hand to call in the Holocaust Squad, which is the most awesome thing. They're in these giant like suits that uh, they kind of look like. What are those old? Um... Uh, scuba suits called. Yeah, yeah, like uh, diving bells. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really intense. Yeah, they're a team of elite judges that just do suicide missions. They're tr- so awesome. Yeah, they drop in these cool heat suits, and even though they're these giant things, they'll only protect from lava for like three minutes. So this leads to an amazingly tense scene where we sit with Dread as he listens on the radio helpless. As the Holocaust swatters try to like stop the lava flow, each one dying in turn, until finally we've seen that they succeeded. It's really awesome and really like tense, as you mostly just see like Dread sitting on a radio, like waiting to hear the results of their actions and stuff. No, and it's like you know, one guy dies because his parachute just like completely rips apart, and you're listening to these two people trying to close this valve and one of them dies and then the other one goes and it's like crap it's not going to happen but it's like oh wait look they actually did it and you know it's it's really awesome it's yeah. it's all fit into one prog of mm-hmm. just like tightly knit action yeah it's awesome but so hey now that now the disaster yeah. has been diverted it's time for a reckoning with father earth oh it's uh, it's so awesome like the, so before it's all fire, brimstone, and all of this stuff, and this one it's like plant devouring awesomeness. Yeah, because first we go to the uh, alien carnivorous plant section of the Mega City One Botanical Gardens, and oh man, it's full of deadly plants. They're eating everybody. Which of course you need a deadly carnivorous plant. I mean, you got to research them and like have them cataloged in your zoo, basically. But or yeah, they're just like not have them exist ever. Man, that's that's Dan Dare logic right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but now the plants are eating people, they're shooting deadly puffballs that, like, make people explode, and they're, like, singing evil siren songs. That, like, people get addicted to, and it's, like, super ecstasy, they walk up to it, these tentacles wrap around them, and then just, like, yum yum. Exactly. Yum. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Dread is closing in on Father Earth, stopping to re-arrest the cosmic punks. Those, uh, show up again yeah. after the death race. Yeah, well, those were the guys that he kicked out of the, out into Mutiland back in, like, Prague 110, mm-hmm. episode 33 of the podcast. Meanwhile, Father Earth is distraught because their attack has failed until he hears the call of the blood plant, which is the plant that sings the siren song and stuff. <laughs> or as he calls it, the God plant. Yeah, it's the voice of God calling me. <laughs> so, Dread gives chase as the cultist gets closer and closer to this main plant, each one dying in various plant-type ways as they go. <laughs> Eventually, uh, finally the big plant swallows Father Earth whole, and that's oh. it for this one. He's one with nature now. It was It was this awesome scene where... He's like walking up to the thing, and only one person has survived, which is one of the chicks who watered his body flowers. Yeah, and then she gets eaten up, and she's like, "Oh, help me!" And he's like, "Nah, you, you got taken." Yeah, you're this not the, worthy the, enough. The price you pay for not being worthy of plant love or whatever. <laughs> and then he gets like brought up to the giant mouth that eats all the people, and it like 
comes down to eat him up and he's like, oh, it's going to kiss me. And then it just slurps him up and then swallows him and you can see his imprint and its gullet and it's, yeah. it's, it's super gross. It's a very little shop of horrors type situation for sure. Yeah. <laughs> intense Judge Dredd. Yeah. But so with Father Earth defeated, it's time for another story. In this case, Judge Dredd gets called on a case by a talking cat. Which is awesome. And with that reference, it's now a real, it's a, now a real internet show. This show is... Because <laughs> the biggest talking cat. Because references. Um, the talking cat leads Dredd to a lab where animal testing is going on and explains that he wants Dredd to free Monty the guinea pig, who is kind of a mascot among this menagerie of test animals. He's got a he's got a tiny eye patch. It's true. He's been super experimented on. Yeah. Dredd can't do anything because the scientist in question, Dr. Galt, isn't breaking any laws. But then he has Mac, the Justice Department computer, uh, check the guy out, and it turns out that he's written a novel about recreating the common cold germs and then using them to blackmail the city. Which, really, man, like, if you're going to do the crime, don't just, like, write about it, you weirdo. He's a doctor. You know, you got to publish your parish, I guess. Um, I guess. Dredd rechecks the lab and learns that Monty is actually being, Monty the guinea pig is being, is being used to bring back those cold genes. He's gonna get injected. It's yeah. sad. Dredd stops him just in time. With, with a cat, like, karate chopping a dude in the face. Yeah, the cat forces the doctor to inject himself with his own cold genes. He swiftly dies, and Dredd frees the lab animals. Two days later, the Dredd Act is passed, banning the use of animals in scientific experimentation in Mega City 1. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, fair enough. That's fine. Well, so what I'm saying is that's better than the, like, Tharg talking you down every annual about hunting animals. That's true. That's, yeah, that, that's, definitely, that's definitely a true statement. Anyway, Walter ends up with a new gerbil. It's true. I tried to look up further encounters of Monty the guinea pig, and I couldn't find any, so we'll Aww. see if he shows up again. That's too bad, because, like, that is at least something for Walter to do that isn't so annoying. It's true. <laughs> so in our final story, a fog has descended onto, a na- onto one specific neighborhood, Mega City 1. Yeah, the weather machine is broken or whatever. Yeah. Two ladies walk home from work late at night. One is attacked by an evil dude in a cloak and top hat. The other, super creeps. Yeah. The other lady reports the crime to Dredd and a female judge, who despite had not really having a speaking role, is one of the first fully uniformed female judges we've seen so far in 2000 AD, which is kind of interesting. I'll be perfectly honest. It looks like Judge Dredd in profile with lipstick on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still working on building it up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Dredd finds the killer and takes him out, and it turns out that it's Sweeney Todd, or at least... Why? A robot of Sweeney Todd with a tag for the Chamber of Horrors, which Dredd investigates. And it turns out that the Chamber of Horrors is like a robot waxworks, basically, full of 19th century murderers and stuff. It's fallen on hard times, and the owner is trying to send his murder bots out to steal money, but they keep killing people instead. Because all they know how to do is kill. It's true. Yeah, Dredd barges in, destroys a bunch of the robots, and arrests the owner. It's hard to identify them, uh... For me, but this seems like another example of a Brian Balland using pictures from movies as characters in the comic. Like the Hunchback yeah. of Notre Dame really looks like it's like a, from a, from a still from movies about the Hunchback and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. That said, the art is super awesome, and this is a fun one shot. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the uh, I'm surprised they didn't just have him take a break at this point. You know, 
Because they had a good, like, three or four-parter, and then this one's just kind of a one-off. I mean, you know. like they're ready for a break. Now you got to fill that prog, man, which is why we get a big multi, a big important multi-parter <laughs> next week with Battle for the Black Atlantic. Oh, God. Which is a big a big first, one of the early shots in the uh, in the Mega City 1 Sov City War, as we'll see. We'll get to it. Oh, interesting. Episode 39. Progs 128 to 132. September 1979. Thrill One, Judge Dredd. Script robot for this month of Judge Dredd is uh, John Wag. Is John Wagner writing? Is John Howard. Art robot is um, Ron Smith and Dave Gibbons, and lettering robots Tom Frame. So yeah. we start. We start off with a crime blitz, which is which basically is just the definitely lawful search of people's houses randomly. <laughs> hey, you knew this was a fascist dictatorship when you signed on with Judge Dredd, buddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, crime blitz is where judges just roll up to a random citizen's house and just sort of turn the place over searching for, Ill- for illegal stuff. Just your usual fascist state moves. <laughs> yeah, just like throwing shit around, checking around to see if you have contraband, yelling at you, checking your accounts. Always. Yeah. So, um, in this case, today, Dredd and a bunch of other judges show up at a man named Sweet's house, and they find nothing. He's completely clean. No law-breaking at all. Citizen. Yeah, he's almost too clean. So, to that end, uh, Dredd has the Justice Department's drones and closed circuit and a CCTV cameras follow the suite around. Very, um, 2017, this, uh, re- response and the way they do it. Um, <laughs> until they find sweet meeting with some weird dude. The, uh, that the two of them exchange briefcases and Dredd is on the case. He arrests. Oh, it's sweet- not a Tinder date. He's trying to do something naughty. That's right. <laughs> um, Sweet instantly confesses that he's been giving the secrets of Mega City One's new laser defense system to agents from East Meg One, those lousy commies. Oh, my God. Uh, Dredge gives chase to this enemy agent who escapes through a giant crack in the border wall, escaping in a speedboat out onto the polluted Black Atlantic. Uh, Dread commandeers a super speedboat. Someone tries to stop him and he threatens him with the isolation cubes, which I believe is the first mention of the iso cubes in Judge Dread. It is our first mention of iso cubes. Very exciting. Dredd. Yeah. Uh, Dread rides out into the Atlantic, finding an East Meg anti pollution ship just outside the seaboard of Mega City One. Dread then uh, unilaterally extends city limits and arrests the ship. Surrender now and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> It's amazing. He just points his gun right at the ship and is like, you're all under arrest, damn it. <laughs> uh, the guys from East Meg 1 are less than impressed and run over Judge Dredd's boat, smashing him. Because I guess why not? I mean, you know, what? What's he going to do? Not be drowned and then um, die hard his way through the ship? Like, <laughs> beating everybody up and eventually <laughs> commandeering it? <laughs> He even fights a mid-boss. The answer is no. When you die hard through a ship, you are under-sieging your way through the ship. Anyhow. Oh, my God. <laughs> In- including butt cakes. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dredd's been- so Dredd has been smashed, but that won't stop him. He climbs aboard the Sov Block ship and, uh, yeah, under-sieges his way through, beating people up on the way. <laughs> but when he meets a mid-boss... a hot doctor. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
As he uh, fights a mid-boss, he, he passes out because of his exposure to the heavily polluted water of the Black Atlantic. In the ship's sickbay, the beautiful Dr. Rod Rodnina removes all the polluted water from Dredd's system, and he comes to. He's tied down, but manages to steal a scalpel from the doctor, allowing him to escape. Dude, he gets touchy-feely on that doctor, and she's yeah, yeah. like, hey, but actually it's for that scalpel. Yeah, he steals it from like her uh, her utility belt in the guise of touching her butt. Uh, yep. Dread ambushes the head judge aboard the ship, Judge Molotov, and ends up forcing the ship to sail to Mega City 1 and everybody aboard to surrender. Get those 1,200 holding cells ready. <laughs> it's awesome! Because <laughs> that's just how you do. Just rolls in. All right, so Hi. next next story, uh, there's a gangster coming to town, Joe Lips Lazarus, who is just ahead oh. like the guy at the end of uh, Crank 2. <laughs> but... Wow, also. <laughs> this guy's also a master of copying voices, and he's here to testify against the mob. Which is weird if just because... Well, I don't know why they need somebody to turn, like, state's evidence to testify when they could just crime blitz the mobster's house and find evidence that way, <laughs> you know? But whatever. Or or just go and arrest them. It seems like they need very little in the way of that. I mean, the requirements of law in Judge Dredd's society in, a, in, in, in Mega City 1 varies wildly from time to time, I think. It's pretty fair. Better not to worry about it, honestly. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Lips Lazarus is here to testify against the, uh, the mob. He's a master of doing different voices and stuff. And but he won't testify if a pack of mob blitzers, aka assassins, have anything to say about it. Dread manages to stop him, and the sole survivor self-destructs when he's forced to surrender. He's got an automatic suicide box built into him. Kind of awesome. Yeah, they just burst into flame, basically. But so uh, the mobsters try again to take out Lazarus. They hijack um, a, a medical van um, or a medical droid van that's bringing a transplant body to lips, which is leads to this sort of headless robot sort of wandering around being like, oh, I got to get to my head. What's happening? Oh. People just freaking out because I guess that's weird. Like, I think in a world full of robots, a headless robot man saying, like, I need to find my head wouldn't freak people out. I mean, you know, maybe they just think of them as people. So, like, a headless guy wandering around would be pretty scary, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so, the Blitzers uh, uh, pin down Dread and everybody else. Dread gets advanced words, so they're able to put on gas masks to avoid the mob Blitzers, like, knockout gas. But they are mm -hmm. stuck. So, luckily, Dread manages to convince Lips to mimic the voice of the mob boss that ordered the hit. And he orders the gangsters to surrender to the judges. And when they do, this causes the suicide box to trigger instantly killing them all. Which, I mean... Dread kill count increased by, like, five? Yeah, he, he kills a bunch of people, this and this one, for sure. I gotta restart the kill count. I, I, I fell behind during the Cursed Earth, and I never caught back up. That's my goal for That's next one. because he's got a million, billion people he kills. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna count some stuff. Like, you can't count, um, like, all the people who Cal killed that Dread is sort of indirectly responsible for in some way or another, you know? But whatever. <laughs> So yeah, anyhow, Lips Lazarus gets a new body, we'll testify against the mob. Good times. Hooray! So okay, final story, and this one is actually kind of an important one for Judge Dredd, just in terms of uh, some characters and stuff. So we've seen city blocks before, right, Fox? Yeah. But even with those massive edifices, each one with like forty to 60,000 people in them, 
There's still millions of people in Mega City One who live in mobile homes, uh, mopads, that yeah. co- constantly drive over the massive roadways of Mega City One. They says 18 million people live in mopads across all of Mega City One. Jesus. <laughs> uh, they vary from just like sort of pickup trucks with beds in the back to like giant, um, like 18 wheeler sized trucks, basically. Including luxury one, liners. Yeah. Including one luxury liner that goes out of control. Dread jumps aboard and, and stops it. Inside he finds the body of the owner in the indoor pool of the moped and the pool cleaning units have stripped the body down to a skeleton. And it's like a super ritzy pad. It's yeah, it's like a it's like a big nice. mansion that's inside a car, basically. Um, Which I'd be all right with, to be honest. It's not too bad. I think it's it, there's some interesting world building and stuff. I, uh, something I like about a lot of the mopeds is they all have signs on them saying like, "We'll exchange this awesome moped for an apartment in in a in a city block." You know. Like, there's an interesting sort of, it implies a sort of interesting uh, economy of this future living stuff. Mm, Like, maybe some people want to go mobile and and stuff like that. So, on investigation, it turns out that that this moped has been running on autopilot for the last three years. Checking its mail, yeah, checking its mail, Dread follows a trail that eventually leads to the TV show Sob Story, where people tell their tales of woe for cash uh, donations. Which is super weird. Yeah, the uh, the host Johnny Teardrop is very over the top and silly, and I researched I like it. it. Yeah, I guess he's a he's a re- he's a reference to um, British TV presenter Bruce Forsyth, who's did a bunch of things okay. that were like um, a lot of shows that were sort of designed to like humiliate like the regular people guests that came on the show, and mm-hmm. a lot of like. Exactly, and a lot of the jokes that like uh, Teardrop says on Sob Story are like references to Forsyth's um, like catchphrases and things like that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of piece of late seventies, you know, UK stuff, I guess. Mm. Uh, Dread stops the show in the middle of it by just put, putting a gun to for to uh, Teardrop's head. <laughs> He interrogates him, and we learn that the show basically just gives out the addresses of everyone who appears on it at the end of the show, which seems incredibly um, incompetent and dangerous. Which, and by the way, this is, of course, Channel 99, citywide with pride. Oh, yeah. But so, apparently it just seems like um, that these killers just wait for someone with a, who's going to get a lot of money from the sob story show that's in a moped, and they just sort of drive up to it, kill the person, take their money, and then leave the car in autopilot. So there could be who knows how many just vehicles on autopilot full of dead people in them out there on the roadway. <laughs> yeah, and which, you know, these guys are not exactly mastermind criminals, but they go to, like, the huge length of... Like, the guy that Judge Dredd, I guess you're getting to that, but, yeah. like, the lengths that they go to to get on board of this thing is just like, but you're just going to rob it anyway. <laughs> yeah, the moped of none other than Otto Sump, the ugliest man of all time! Oh, poor Otto. Yeah, he's got he, he's gotten eight face changes and he's still incredibly ugly. It's super sad. When he was a baby, they just left him in a basket in front of a face change shop. <laughs> which what the hell yeah it's tough so dread has ran a trace to find the most hard luck case of anyone in mega city one and he and found Otto sump and auto has been submitted to sob story as a honeypot for the sob story killers basically 
Dread explains this as Otto continues his tale of ugliness. The only job he could find was as a rat scarer for the sewer department. (laughs) And then a bunch of animal lovers got him sacked because that was because him showing his face to rats was too cruel to the rats. (laughs) Fucked up, man. Yeah. Over the next few days, Otto gets a ton of letters all full of cash from people who saw him on the show. Eventually, as he's driving down the road, an ambulance pulls up next to him and a doctor offers to help him become handsome like Rudolph Valentino. Dude, I don't know if you saw some of the things that are in his house when he's doing the Hey, hey! I've got so much money. I have to make it look like it's raining money down me on me thing. But <laughs> like, some of the gifts that he get are a bottle of poison and a gun. <laughs> that's awesome. It's it's really fucking horrific. <laughs> the gun has a tag that says two auto" on it. Jeez, that's ridiculous. Um, Otto and the doctor have one of my favorite styles of conversations because he says you look like Rudolph oh. Valentino. Otto some says, "Oh, I'll be tall, dark, and handsome," and the doctor says, "No, you'll be dead," which is awesome. <laughs> I, I love that when people do that. <laughs> so stupid. So they try to kill Otto, but uh, Dredd was lying in wait behind a Murphy bed in Otto's moped. Um, <laughs> Which is great. He just pops up out of nowhere. And there was setup for that. Not that he was in it, but in the background shot of him doing the money rain thing, it says it's an apex folding bed. Totally. So... Dread takes out the uh, the the killers, and we discover the, the and, and and we sort of figure out their crimes. The host of sob stories overjoyed until Dread explains that because of his recklessness, the host is on the hook for lo- for civil lawsuits from the families of all forty one of the sob story victims. And this story ends. Yeah, yeah, fair dues. I mean, that's what you know. That was super reckless. Um, the story ends with the host going on his own show, begging for charity for himself. The irony! <laughs> it's super delicious and rich with iron. Yeah. Next episode, The Great Muldoon. Which, that sounds awesome. It's it, It'll be interesting. So Otto Sump's going to show up pretty much for the rest of time. Um, people are going to refer really? to him when things are when something's really ugly. Um, he's going to have a get rich like he's going to be the center of a get rich quick scheme where everybody else gets face things to be ugly, and Otto becomes like a person a cult of personality with it and stuff. This is oh. a long term dread character being introduced this week. I would not have even fucking guessed. Yeah, keep an eye out for uh, for Mister Sump going forward, buddy. All right. I mean, anybody who's willing to throw money on top of themselves and scream money, money, and more money. <laughs> He's a classic hard luck case. I'm a big Otto Sum fan for sure. <laughs> All right, man. I'm, I'm excited to see how this, uh, this weirdo develops. Episode 41. Progs 133 to 136. October 1979. Thrill 1. Judge Dredd. <laughs> that was... Yeah, man. Script robot, of course, is John Wa- is John Wagner. Writing is John Howard. The art robots are Barry Mitchell and Ron Smith. Lettering robot is Tom Frame. So, first up, the I, Great Muldoon is in town. Name, right? Tom Frame. Yeah, sorry. I you had know, 
I mean, yeah, no, I mean, we we've we've made this series of jokes before, but yes, it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, so the the great Muldoon is in town. He's sort of a daredevil clown type character, and he claims that he'll jump through a solid steel plate into a tiny water barrel. Uh, Dread is suspicious and tries to shut him down, but Muldoon has a waiver from Judge Pepper. He explains. Judge Pepper's messing everybody up, dude. Yeah. He has been since the uh, since Cal's revolt or whatever. Mm. But so Muldoon explains that he has a particle converter that will let him teleport through the plate. And this seems to mollify Dread a little bit. Meanwhile, outside the arena, a pair of hoods are trying to steal the ticket money from Muldoon's event. Oh my god, what a bunch of no good nicks with it's, guns. It's, yeah, totally. Luckily, there's like 50 judges there, and they all descend upon them. Uh, <laughs> they they surround them, but one, claim, one claims that he has a bomb that will destroy the city if they don't let him go. Instead of letting them go, though, Dread walks up and kicks the guy right in the face. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. It's actually very similar to... Um, the end of like the 2012 Dread movie where he tosses Mama from the top floor or whatever, where he's just like, like she's like talking, talking a big game about destroying the building, and he's like, nah. <laughs> um, but in this case, he knew because he had Birdie, which is the Justice Department's new handheld, ultra reliable instant lie detector that will basically be the well, why didn't you just use that type thing for basically the remainder of Judge Dread. <laughs> so they reveal a superpower that's not really used again. I mean, it'll be used from time to time, but definitely anytime someone lies to Judge Dredd successfully, like, feel free to be to show your nerd cred by saying, why doesn't he just use the birdie system to make sure that he's not lying? You know? <laughs> I know what you're like, Fox. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. You're always you're always quick to talk about how the Enterprise knows how to go back in time a couple minutes if they really want to, but they never use that, you know. I I mean, <laughs> I may never complain about it, but it is actually quite true. It's important to you know keep it in mind. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, anyhow, um. Yeah. Uh. Uh, Dread. So after all that excitement, Dread remembers that he's trying that, that he's trying to have the Great Muldoon's uh, uh, event canceled, and he runs in to try to stop it, but not before Muldoon makes his leap. It was an oh shit moment. They literally said it's like oh wait shit. Uh, I gotta go <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Uh, so Muldoon jumps and he's like as he spins rings around his arms and legs drinks water and recites Shakespeare he falls towards the plate activating his device will he make it? <laughs> nope he splats into the wall and that's showbiz oh my god <laughs> that's that's how Judge Dredd ends it's like, yeah, I guess that's like the way the cookie crumbles hey man it's like, like Judge Dredd knows how reality goes you know I, yeah, but uh, this, by the way, is the first. I'm surprised they weren't like incredibly gruesome with this. This next like few issues, man, it gets pretty, gets pretty harrowing in some of these comics. Things Judge are, Dredd. yeah, totally, dude. Well, things are fun in the next one. Um, it looks like there's an invisible man loose on the city. He's sending like cutout magazine ransom notes, um, to Judge Dredd. And 
He's, he's threatening the priceless sculpture MC squared. And despite constant judge supervision, the statue is stolen right out from under their noses. Oh my God. The sculpture's gone, but it can't be. As it, when it, when it disappears, dread like sprays like uh fight, like fire foam or something all around the area to try to basically be like, well, he's invisible, but he's still uh, tangible. So I'll hit him with all this anti, you know, stuff that'll stop invisibility and that'll catch him, but it doesn't work. It's a pretty smart move, to yeah. be honest. Like, totally. He's very quick to just be like, you know what? Maybe he is invisible. <laughs> like, it's like a, it's definitely a situation where it seems like Dredd has watched one or two movies about um, invisible dudes and sort of how you fight them. And so he's using basically the first tool in your arsenal for that stuff and it's not working, which is rough. Definitely. Yeah. Another letter comes in demanding 10 million credits or the city will regret it. Uh, The judges lay a dummy bag of money in the middle of a big plaza, (laughs) complete with a giant Fergie statue, which I always appreciate Fergie showing up. So excited to see those massive Fergie and flies. Yeah, it's it's a really great um, continuing thing in these Judge Dreads just seeing various Fergie statues scattered around the city. They they show up in the background a lot, actually, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I mean, this I, this one gets all, like, sprayed on with goo. Yeah, well, because they, they set a, uh, you know, it's an empty money bag, but it's got a sensor in it, so whenever somebody touches it, they'll know that it's been, um, that it's been messed with. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the sensor launches, they cover, they instantly spray the entire area with riot foam, which sticks people in place but there's still not a trace yeah i mean listen this is a fascist dictatorship they don't have to deal with riots basically (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there's still not a trace of the invisible man even just even justice hq isn't safe as a letter from the invisible man is hand delivered to dread's office oh god yeah he comes out guns blazing but the i am but the invisible man is still gone He's now promised to make a laughing stock of City Hall, and Dredd, of course, swears vengeance. <laughs> no one fucking makes City Hall look stupid. Absolutely not. Also, uh, throughout this um, storyline, there has been also in the background. There's been a bunch of um, there's been a bunch of like advertisements and like posters and stuff for Umpty Candy. Oh yeah. Which is a uh, Mega City One consumer product, which we'll see more of going forward, basically. Just, mm. you know, place in the back of your mind, it's fine. Haven't we seen the name Umpty before? Yeah, well, we've seen, like, more commercials for Umpty Candy, just as, mm. like, a product or, like, a thing that people eat just as, like, an actual treat kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, so next up, uh, Ed, we, we cut to Edwin the Confessor, who is just this kind of bum guy who confesses to everything. Um, oh. Like, at Justice HQ, basically. That's right. I like this guy. Yeah, so he goes in, and he's basically like, I'm the Invisible Man, arrest me! And the judges are pretty funny about their responses, because they're just like, you don't look that invisible to me, buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're definitely sort of humoring um, Edwin and his um, need to confess to everything. Yeah. But, I mean, several of them are sitting on a panel just seriously listening to him while another dude takes notes. It seems like the panel is just like, hey, we're going to um, sit down here and anybody who has any crimes to confess, come on through, you know? 
Just a weird, weird day. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird alternate uh, job that uh, Judge Dredd does sometimes. But the thing <laughs> is, is that Edwin does have some information about the crimes that hasn't been released to the public yet. So while they're pretty sure that he isn't actually an Invisible Man, he does seem to be Invisible Man adjacent. So it's time to flush him out for evidence, basically. Um, Dredd has a plan. He releases Edwin without enough evidence. And Edwin's like, not enough evidence, I'll show you. And he goes to, like, gather stuff. Meanwhile, the Justice Department is following Edwin, who is in turn following another guy, just as a bank is robbed right next to him, and it's another invisible man bank job, basically. You know, it would really help these mega city bad guys if they all didn't just wear, hey, look, I'm a bad guy costume. The uh, the guy Edward is con- is uh, following this guy is dressed in black with this huge hat that just looks like a big hat box on top of his head or something <laughs> like that. Or he like looks a- like... A- an eraser, like a pencil. Totally. Yeah, or like Nefertiti's haircut or something like that. Oh, Just yeah. Like a big, like, cylinder that kind of comes up straight from behind his ears all over his whole head, basically. It just doesn't look like good guy clothes, Mm-mm. you know? Yeah. So Dread watches videotape of this mysterious guy with his, with his crazy hat and notices that for one frame of the um, video... He disappears and then returns, but his briefcase has suddenly switched hands. So, of course, it's suddenly clear. This guy isn't invisible. He's moving incredibly fast. Um, Which was a a plot of a DuckTales episode, actually, from my youth. (laughs) Something that I thought of, too. Yep. Yeah, the Beagle Boys ended up stealing um, a, a thing that slows down time, and they appeared invisible to everybody else, but when they were using it, everybody else was just frozen in place. Hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, so they do a background check on this guy. It turns out that uh, he works at, like, he's a Benji Doonan, and he's a janitor at a company called Intertime, which makes time warp machines, which slow down time. <laughs> And he lives. Get a better hold of these at a time machine company. (laughs) You'd think a time machine company would work really hard to not let people walk out the door with time machines. Um, (laughs) You know, if only there were some sort of uh, high-kicking time cop to deal with that sort of thing. You know, but any that's not till 1992. (laughs) Wow. It also turns out that um, Dunin has an apartment across whose windows fa- whose window faces Edwin the Confessor so that's probably his, so Edwin looking at his uh, at his neighbors with a with a uh, creepy spy uh, telescope probably saw Dunin show up with his ill-gotten gains oh creepy yeah anyhow it's time for a raid uh, dread the rest <laughs> of the judges burst into Dunin's place and as Dunin triggers his time warp judge dread shoots him the t- uh, time slows for Dune in just as he gets hit by the bullet. And so, it, uh, trapped in super time, he ends up sort of bleeding out and dying before Dredd's eyes. Oh, God. So, and in like a second, Judge yeah. Dredd gets there and he's like, oh, this man's dead, like, a lot. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, that's taken care of. Edwin is arrested for giving false evidence and gets one month in jail, just like he always wanted. All's well that ends well. Uh, no, and then, like, one of the judges just says, ah, Judge Shred, you've got a heart of gold. He's heart like, of gold for putting that guy in jail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. That is weird. So, 
Last Judge Dread story. Boy. It's the oh, new sensation awesome. that's sweeping Mega City One. Yeah, man. So Boing is this uh, spray can that you spray around yourself, and then it sort of pops up, and you become encased in an indestructible clear ball. You can bounce around and do cool stuff, and like be a human pinball and stuff at the Palais de Boing, the Palace of Boing. <laughs> and it's like pretty awesome future stuff, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't mind going. Like, you're very safe, and you get caught in a giant net afterwards, and you're balled up with a bunch of other people, and you come down to shoot, and then you wait for these guys with the weird machine to crack your space egg open and let you out. It definitely seems way more safe than various trampoline-based places that I've seen, like, in the present day, which just seem like compound fractures waiting to happen, to be honest. I like I've never been specifically because it just seems terrifying. Yeah. But so everything's cool until a couple citizens try using Boeing outdoors and with the huge heights and multiple surfaces of Mega City One, the Boingers quickly start causing havoc. They even kill a judge. Judge Parker, no Not Judge Parker, he was on loan from the Daily Comic Strip Unit. Because the cause the long running soap opera strip Judge Parker ah uh, whatever uh, so oh. things go from bad to worse for the Boingers one flies into the power lines and fries and then and now Judge Dredd is on the case um, he shoots one guy with an incendiary shot which causes the entire uh, Boing ball to catch fire and change its molecular composition he goes flying into a roadway and sticks fast to it. To, it's like a highway. And he's burnt alive. No, no, he's fine. He's oh, fine okay. inside the ball. Yeah. The final Boinger continues out over the western wall of the city and into Muty Land. Two days later, he's found being worshipped as a god by the Muties. Oh, that's so awesome. Boing. <laughs> Boing. <laughs> The, uh, the boinger that was stuck on the roadway gets sent to jail because his boinging costs 15 lives. Yeah, his, man. His father tries to bribe Dredd and gets sent to the correction block as well. And a new label is added to boing cans. A 20-year penalty for improper use. Hell yeah, dude. Don't yeah. boing outside of the Palais de Boing. Yeah, boing safely, you know? Oh, uh, also, Fox, don't make a big deal about it. But remember mm-hmm. the concept of Boing existing for the next 14 or 15 issues or so. Just, you know, keep it keep it in your brain a little bit. That's awesome. 14 or 15 progs, I should say. So, and then next episode on Judge Dredd, join the Hellfire Club and kill a judge. Ugh, rough. It's bad, man. Life yeah. for a judge is tough in Mega City. What the hell? It's true. People are getting killed left and right, dude. Episode 42, Progs 137 to 140, November 1979. Thrill One, Judge Dredd. <laughs> Script robot for Judge Dredd, John Wagner writing as John Howard, art robots are Ron Smith and Gary Leach, and John Cooper, lettering robot is Steve Potter. And here we get into some deep in-lore love. Yeah, man. So we start with a... Uh, Boom, Zit, and Nick, a trio of punks with forehead tattoos who have founded the Hellfire Club. Basically just to raise hell all over Mega City 1. Yeah, you do what you can to stave off boredom, I guess. Exactly. That's specifically the reason right. stated for why they uh, 
why they're running around causing traffic accidents on a big three-person tricycle motorcycle. Um, it's very odd what they're yeah. writing. Yeah. Uh, a lady judge, Judge Harkness, forces them to pull over, but then she's shot at point-blank range by a shotgun for her troubles. And she's like the most gorgeous judge that we've ever seen, by the way. She's a very pretty lady. Yeah, for now. Um, she oh. manages to hit her panic button, and a bunch of judges, including Judge Dredd and a Judge Bryce, converge on her location to find her dying in the street. Bryce, Weird. who is Harkness's partner, uh, di- Harkness dies in Bryce's arms, and Bryce swears revenge. He heads out on his lawmaster over the protest of Judge Dredd. Love. That's true, yeah, they're also in, like, real love with each other, which has now driven him mad with vengeance! Oh, God, I'm gonna kill these motherfuckers! Exactly. Um, so, Bryce chases the Hellfire Club, and Dredd chases Bryce through the highways of Mega City 1 in just a couple pages of ridiculous, awesomely drawn... Um, just traffic mayhem. They go against traffic and over, you know, jumping down overpasses and on top of cars and stuff, just in the, these huge, massive roadways of Mega City One. It's awesome. Judge Shred yeah. has to cut them off at the pass. Yeah, exactly. So eventually, Bryce um, sh- sh- shoots an incendiary bullet at the Hellfire Club's bike and their wheels stick to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce ch- uh, chases after Zit, the one who specifically shot Judge Harkness, shoots him in the knee, and then stands over him and prepares to execute him. But oh, before- dude, it's like gun right in the face. T- yeah, he's just staring down like, you'll die for killing the woman I loved. But before he can, Bryce is shot by Judge Dredd. Right in the freaking chest, man. Yeah. It's brutal. Dredd explains that Bryce loved Har- that because Bryce loved Harkness, he's forgotten how the law must be enforced in Mega City One, and it seems like an odd stance, I guess. Oh man, no, it's it's uh, like, like I felt this was like one of the moments where yeah. this character really clicked for me because, like, I was really into this scene um, of vengeance, and then just at the very end, like in a thought bubble, Judge Shred's just like there can be only one love in a judge's life the law absolutely yeah nope even if even if you think that this is okay like it just blinds you to what we're supposed to be here doing and i will take you out doesn't matter yeah no absolutely i love that part too it's just like i don't know the uh the nerd part of like like the nerd trying to explain everything part of me i was also Mm -hmm. kind of like you know the judges are specifically supposed to be judge juries and executioners i guess like yeah it's not. I'm. It, it's interesting to kind of think about sort of when and how lethal. For, you know, the judges can't uh, can use lethal force and sort of when they're supposed to and when it's sort of right for them to do and when it's again and when they're breaking the law by doing so and stuff like that. You know, we don't really have a. Cl- yeah. So far from what I've seen is like if a judge is under fire, they are absolutely allowed to use lethal force right. in order but to otherwi- protect themselves yeah but otherwise and it seems like really under most circumstances like you're you want to take people in alive and stuff which is just it, it's an interesting thing i guess like sort of mm. i feel like there are like this situation i've seen like cop shows or something like that where in this situation where uh there's there's a there's a but there's a, a group of cop killers on the loose it's a high-speed pursuit kind of ends 
and like yeah the same sort of like regular cops would, would would have to arrest them but i don't know again it's just sort of this like well what 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 power do the judges have that's sort of interesting to think about i guess especially oh, yeah. as we see sort of the judges become a bit more brutal and stuff sort of as the years are going to wear on in um mm. 2000 ad you know well i mean we get an encounter with a with like a lawyer later too so yeah. it's it's all sort of weird totally yeah but let's go to uh, Night of the Blood Beast. Oh, man, Clegs are back. Uh-uh. Yeah, so following the events of Judge Cal back in April, the Johnsons, a couple living in the Enid Blyton block, and Fox, just so you know, Enid, Enid Blyton is a, uh, is a UK uh, children's book author oh, who okay, I, cool. I don't think has made the, uh, you know, she's sort of a classic, apparently a classic writer over there, but hasn't really made the jump. To the states, I guess. Um, huh. Like I, I had never heard of her, and I sort of asked my Facebook friends, and no one, and, and none of my friends had had heard of her either. So it's it's sort of interesting, I guess. Huh. Um, but anyhow, the Johnsons have found Irk, a giant Clegg, mutated at birth, and massive and bloodthirsty, even for the Cleggs, which are a race of massive bloodthirsty Gator men, basically. <laughs> and he being the bloodthirstiest. And alligatoriest of them all. Yeah, and and biggest too. The the, the yeah, Johnsons yeah. have a basement apartment, and they basically just barred off half the apartment and kept him in there for like months. They've been feeding him leftover table scraps instead of the meat that his race craves, and thus he's been driven like even further mad just by hearing the beating hearts of the Johnsons. <laughs> like, yeah, man. Just listening, feed them blood. listening to the their, the sound of their blood pumping has driven him mad with hunger. Uh, so, Ur- that, that whole yeah. scene where it's just like him grasping his head, listening to boom, 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 yeah. boom. It's it's crazy. It's uh, it's really awesome. It's just sort of yeah. giving you this psychological feeling of this sort of just this you know s- semi mind mindless beast just being driven mad with hunger basically eventually Irk breaks loose and he begins rampaging through the block dread and a few other judges follows the clegg's trail of carnage to a costume party where he's finally (laughs) put down by the judges and there's this fun thing where they get like you know he takes like a hundred like dumb dumb rounds and almost kills judge dread until finally his like the the nerves in his body tell his brain that he's dead basically it just takes that long yeah as the onlookers from the party are like holy shit yeah dread's pretty philosophical about it though he sort of recognizes that Irk was basically an innocent like a newborn child that was imprisoned and enslaved by the cruel johnsons but, we we get this a lot from Judge Dredd, yeah. like looking on looking into like the I guess like beasts and and like lower forms and stuff like that. Yeah, I think he's Judge. Yeah, Dredd's interestingly empathetic to sort of any to a lot of innocent things or, or or sort of trying to see sort of how things relate to the law, especially this month. Actually, it's a very introspective a, a, a Dredd month. You know, Dredd sort of ends up thinking that sometimes judges even have to protect the city from the innocent, which is kind of an interesting idea, I guess. Oh my god, right? Like, Jesus. <laughs> so, next up, outside the Mega City One spaceport, a uh, pillar starts to disintegrate, and the whole terminal collapses. It's the start of the Great Plastine Disaster. 
This does not seem like it would be a very good thing in general ever. It seems rough, man. So, so, so there's a back, there's a bacteria that destroys this stuff called plastine, and it's tough because pl- everything in Mega City One is made out of plastine, basically. It can be like, super hard or super soft. It can be used for like all sorts of things. It's basically, yeah. you know, the omni gel of this world. Yeah, like 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 Dread is is radioing back to control, and his controller and, and his uh, communicator disintegrates. We see a guy on the street. His first his hat, then his wig, then his boots, then his clothes, then his underwear all disintegrate. Someone laughs at him, and their false teeth disintegrate out of their mouth. <laughs> Uh, car Engines t- basically explode yeah. and people fall through windows and shit. It's awesome. Car tires, suspension table on cables. We see a robbery where first the burglar alarm and then like the bulletproof security screen of the store like disintegrate. It's just, yep. it's chaos in the street and the whole city is falling apart. I, uh, I do like how none of the judges get all nudie or anything. Clearly they wear something a little bit more important. Yeah, I guess... Oh my god, super, super future cut for the 2000 AD heads, but I guess uh, information about judge about judges' uniforms uh, foreshadowed here. Uh, PJ, maybe eat your heart out, I suppose. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> you'll, you'll get it, Fox, don't worry. Um, but, All right. But anyhow, they find a cure, they found a cure for the bacteria, but it has to be inside the plastines to the start, so presumably, I guess... Everybody in Mega City One's just going to shelter in place, and then they're going to rebuild the whole damn city. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, guess. Like, like they basically just say we just got to let it run its course, and then and then count the costs and rebuild, which is crazy. It, this is like yeah. a little a little mini Mega City One apocalypse that nobody talks about. You know, like yeah, that, I, that time think, when like, buildings would collapse. Yeah, they do. It's just, it's just like that time when literally half the city disintegrated because of a plastine plague. You know, um, it just happened. Also, this story seems like kind of either an old one or there was some miscommunication with the artist because the chief judge doesn't have. Uh, the distinctive Judge Judge Griffin <laughs> eye patch, but whatever. Um, he also yeah. has a giant winged uh, eagle chest. Yeah, that's that's standard. That's what the the Chief Judge wears. They wear this giant really? eagle thing on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. It's super awesome. Yeah, from like from Prague two. That's how the Chief Judge is, has, has dressed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, judge cool guy. I forget what his name is. That was uh oh my god, I forget too. That ah, whatever. <laughs> the first judge, the first chief judge. Yes. Um but J- Judge Griffin wants to count the cost. Judge Dredd wants someone to pay that cost. He, oh yeah, dude. He tracks the course of the bacteria back to KK Danvers, the man who whose interspace shipping line brought the bacteria in. Dread demands to talk to him, but apparently Danvers is recovering from a serious operation or something. Uh, Dread starts doing some legal wrangling, but as he does, dozens of process servers barge in demanding <laughs> access to Danvers to serve him for lawsuits based on the damages caused by the bacteria. Which, re- I mean, fair. I mean, that's what happens, you know? Um, it's, yeah. re- it's revealed that he's like sort of in the next room in an isolation tent... And, and pro- definitely in an illegal way. Mm-hmm. The, uh, <laughs> These the pro- guys march in and rip open the thing. And he instantly falls over dead. Oh. It turns out that the operation was that he got a new plastine heart. 
So the bacteria, so he was in the isolation tent to avoid the bacteria, which has finally struck him, and he's been killed by the very disease he brought to uh, Me- Mega City One. Well, all right, time yeah, for a. It's just what you get. Hey, I mean that's why you know you got to be careful about these things, man. De- decontam your inter your interstellar sh- sh- shipments, buddy. Yeah, get on your shit. Yeah, so let's start this uh, Judge Dredd mini epic here, Fox. This is going to be pretty much all of next, or pr- probably half of next of next episode as well, with the start oh, really? of yeah, the Black Plague. There are so many reasons that this is awesome, and I mm-hmm. just want to explain to you because. We'll want to go over it pretty quick, but there's Please. a talking meat-eating horse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Henry Ford, buddy. <laughs> so out, awesome. out, on the cursed or, out on the cursed earth, it's farming time as Moe's big left ear hangs out with his uncle Flatface. Guess what their respect mu- mu- mutations are? <laughs> it's really freaking obvious. But out in the distance, they see something weird with the warp corn. It's bla- It's gone black, covered in a giant swarm of spiders. Oh, God, that's a lot of spiders. Uncle Flatface goes out to hit him with a shovel and gets beaten, and gets bitten, paralyzed, killed, and eaten by this, by this huge mass of spiders. They just drink his blood juice, and mm. then also all the blood juice of all the other animals. Yes. Um, Mose, and I think it's his sister, Nance, get aboard his horse, Henry Ford, who, as Fox said, is a meat-eating, Dracula-fanged horse with long ears, and gallop back and, and uh, gallop to warn, warn his cousin Amos, but find his place overrun, too. So they head to the town of Adam Gulch. That's A-T-O-M. Him and this horse have a lot of great back and forth banter, by the way. There's a lot of like uh of like Moe's and Nance getting on the horse and Henry Ford saying, like, hey buddy, I don't uh do doubles and then Moe's just straight up putting a gun to Henry Ford's head and telling him to ride. <laughs> yeah, dude, like let's do this. I'll give you extra meat, whatever. Let's get out of here, man. <laughs> Seriously. So the people at Adam Gulch don't know what to do, but Moe's reckons one man in the big city can help them. A Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. He rides off to get him, and as the plague of spiders approaches town, Mose reaches Dredd and begs him to help. A judge agrees. He brings a few other judges along aboard a sweet judge jeep. Um, they arrive in town, but there's basically no hope. The Black Plague is too intense, and they're basically just like, let's evac these people and leave the town behind but when they but their their radios aren't working so they can't do that instead they'll have to make their stand here and likely die in adam gulch dude bite baby bite it's next episode yeah man yeah we're gonna do i'm I'm pretty stoked because i hate spiders it's real like this like just the spiders are just this this black carpet that just sweeps across the land and a lot of times they do these close-ups of it and you just see like a thousand tiny like forest animals and stuff sort of get caught in um get get caught up in it and sort of eaten alive by it and stuff it's really cool looking well like the first panel it's like just this tiny dog like oh shit yeah it's getting eaten to death by spiders <laughs> absolutely a horse. absolutely a i don't dude. want yeah i don't want to get too crazy about the black plague because we're going to be all over the black plague next next episode episode 43 progs 141 to 145 december 1979 thrill one judge dread 
All right. Script robot for Judge Dredd is John Wagner. Writing is John Howard. Art robot's Ron Smith. And Mike McMahon, the lettering robot, is Tom Frame. All right. I think it took them a long time to make the little weird dots and squiggles that make up and compromise the entire army of strange spiders on yeah, the map. Just, yeah, the Black Plague's marching towards Adam Gulch, and yeah, the the big thing about basically these next three episodes is, is that it's full of this giant army of um, tiny of basically regular sized spiders forming a huge spider army destroying <laughs> everything in their path. Man, I gotta say, it's gotta be just Ron Smith like drawing a thousand spiders right like i mean <laughs> or a billion spiders and there must be some way to do it quickly or something like that but honestly this feels like thinking about the art for these comics makes it feel like ron lost a bet or something <laughs> just like there was no copy and paste back in 1979 yeah it's yeah it's not like he could just put it on the computer and like copy and paste a thousand spiders all over the place like you got to draw this stuff now you had to make a jillion billion semicircles, which is why like the the land that they're crawling across is like oh, it's some hills. Yeah, you can't you can't fault him for any kind of shortcut that he takes because he doesn't take very many. The art in this is amazing with the spider destruction. Um, oh God, it's so cool. It's just like, but yeah, it's definitely. One of those things where you might not think about it, but it's a testament to like sort of people just being like, yeah, I'm just, I guess, you know, it's a 10,000 person crowd scene that's going to draw 10,000 people. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's just how you do it. Oh, um, God. But so, yeah. So the Black Plague, Plague is swarming towards Adam Gulch. The, they uh, surround the town. These spiders are worryingly smart. A trench is dug around town and filled with, like, wood and gasoline and stuff. They set fire oh, to it. Judge yeah. Dredd backhands a, a, a motherfucker for, like, freaking out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, people start to get hysterical about the spiders. Dredd's like, relax, or, you know, like, like get yourself together and just backhands it. It's always good. <laughs> um, so, basically, now there's a wall of fire around the town, and it's keeping most of the spiders out. It's up to everybody to sort of look for problems that are flaring up around town. Uh, a schoolhouse is infested and has to be destroyed as the spiders have climbed over trees over the Which trench and onto the schoolhouse. Schoolhouse full of kids, by the way. By the way, like, this is the third or fourth flat face person we've called. So this is Miss Flatface ringing the bell saying, like, oh, yeah. crap, there's spiders all over the place. Yeah, this is the third or fourth flat face in the flat face clan. Yeah, flat face clan, like major family in Adam Gulch, for sure. Oh, God, weird. Yeah. They all look the same. It's very odd. <laughs> so the fight is desperate. Um, part part of, the, of, the, of the ring of fire goes out just because of the sheer mass of bodies of spiders going into the flames. To get the fire going again, the judges have to sacrifice their sweet patrol wagon and uh, lawmaster bikes to blow things up, to blow up huge masses of the swarm. And it looks super cool. It's pretty I mean, cool. You know. Luckily, it works. The spiders decide that Adam Gulch isn't worth the effort. That's A-T-O-M, I should mention. Um, they, <laughs> they know there's easier pickings out there, including one easy picking. It goes by the name of Mega City One. Oh, God, better stab a spider and stare at it pensively while I think about where they're possibly going. Spider power increases. 
Um, <laughs> so Adam Gulch is saved, but Mega City One is threatened. Uh, all the judges' vehicles have been destroyed, and there's no radio signals. Luckily, Moe's big left ear has his meat-eating horse, Henry Ford, which he loans to Judge Dredd. They ride out. Um, so they, Judge Dredd is now a cowboy. That's right, Cowboy Dredd. <laughs> they ride out, they avoid the spiders, and make a ma- and eventually when they're forced to uh, come across, they make a mad dash across H-Bomb Bridge, blowing it up as they cross with, with grenades and stuff. <laughs> Afterwards, they get picked up by a uh, Justice Department uh, H-Wagon or Hover Wagon, and they get airlifted out. Dredd starts preparing the city's advances as the mass of spiders approaches the walls. The city lets loose a salvo of napalm shells into the horde, covering them with liquid fire. God, this is the coolest part. It's just like these giant guns blowing up all of the shitty outside. In, like, thooms and booms and all this stuff to kill a bunch of tiny spiders. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it's, like, probably trillions of tiny spiders. (laughs) And it's not even effective because the spiders were quickly able to tunnel underground to avoid the attack. Like, they go out to to check the damage and it was like, well, we don't see a lot of spider bodies. They must have just got vaporized. Um... As as night falls, the spiders emerge from their hiding holes and swarm the wall, and uh, begin to swarm the walls of Mega City One. Eating all the people. Spider spider power peaks. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) So midnight strikes, and the spiders swarm over the walls of Mega City One. Insecticide spiders try to stop them, but cursed earth spiders are immune to base poisons. How are you going to stop them, Conrad? How are you going to stop all these spiders? Fire hoses, by which I mean fire, by which I mean hoses that spray fire, um, <laughs> go after the swarm, but it's too late. The plague is upon the city. It's another, we get more sort of scenes of like massive chaos and carnage around the city as the spiders sweep over everything, buildings collapse, cars crash, millions of people are evacuated in like 30 minutes or something. God, this is the Michael Bay movie I want to see, and you'll understand why in about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, at this point, there's no choice. They gotta just—they've com—they've confined the spiders to like sort of this one. They don't really say what it is, but like a sector of Mega City One, basically. And yeah, you know that one place. It's a, it seems like a big section, and they're just like, all right, we just we're just gonna firebomb the shit out of that place and just level it. Basically, <laughs> we've evacuated everybody, and that's it. So. <laughs> And that's what happens. Basically, dozens of city blocks are firebombed by H-Wagons. And because of the concrete and plastine of Mega City 1, the spiders can't escape by tunneling away this time. And the only person to say anything is Henry Ford, the carnivorous horse, who's like, yeah, man, like, is your first answer always to just, like, bomb the shit out of everything yes no one says anything but the answer is yes yeah the answer is clearly yes as we'll see going forward so okay so black plague destroyed the plague has been cured at massive cost yeah so hooray next up hey it's uh there's a big lineup of cars uh leading into the des o'connor block of mega city one (laughs) Des O'Connor, by the way, is a, a British uh, comedian, TV chat show host, and, and, and singer. Anyhow, apparently it's Christmas and everyone's getting tons of gifts. There's just one Yay. thing, Fox. 
It's not Christmas. What? <laughs> Why would all of these children be getting Christmas gifts? It's not Christmas. Kind of like when this podcast might be coming out. Yeah, okay. Merry Every- Christmas, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Everything's going pretty good in the block, too. Uh, uh, old, old, oldsters are getting youth restoration treatments for free. Lost Woo! husbands have been found alive for widows. Yay! And even um, a murderer is forgiven for the murder he's committed and gets a free pass to commit future murders. Yay. Woo. <laughs> also, the schools have burned down, so kids are out of school. Woo. Yeah, burn down all the schools. Who needs education? Yeah, so Dredd basically starts checking things out, and it turns out that Barney, the central block computer, has basically gone nuts. And is now doing everything in its power to make everybody on the block happy. So buying them presents, sending them messages of stuff they want to hear, etc. Daisy, Daisy. (laughs) Everyone's pretty stoked about it, except for Dredd, who's skeptical. And then, of course, (laughs) things quickly break down into riots and stuff, basically immediately. (laughs) Um People like, get, I don't like this guy, and this girl shouldn't get this teddy bear. Yeah, people are greedy. Uh, it turns out that giving murderers free reign to murder people was not a good idea, and riots <laughs> just start breaking out. Yeah, so Dread starts bringing some peace, and the people learn that Barney has been lying to them to make some to make them happy. In the end, Barney shuts himself off, and Christmas is over at the Des O'Connor block. Merry Christmas, everyone. Mm -hmm. Also, shout out to uh, uh, Our World's Barney being my source for 2000 AD related like credits and uh, artist appearances and stuff like that. Valuable website. Anyhow. (laughs) Um, Wow. Awesome. Yeah. I I don't know. That's a little inside baseball for everybody. But so, last Judge Dredd story. So, the primary candy in Mega City 1 is Umpty Candy. And there's a bunch of different types. But the one everybody loves the most is Uncle Umps, which we've seen advertisements for sort of scattered around the background of Judge Dredd comics for a couple months uh, now. This prog makes me sad. Yeah, this one's a rough one, honestly. Everyone, So everyone loves Uncle Umps, leading to a another riot, this time by c- other candy makers outside the Uncle Ump factory. Um, what do we do? We, like, fucking cover them in riot? foam yeah well then this rioters you toss them you put the riot foam on them so you freeze them in place that's why you call it riot foam dude <laughs> but so uncle ump's been selling like crazy since he came to market the judges try it and become instantly addicted um everybody else around the city is also addicted to um, uncle ump's complete with like withdrawal symptoms including hallucinations when they can't get any didn't Dredd try some, or, or maybe yeah. I'm just crazy? No, Dredd tries it, and he's like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, even the crime computer, they have analyzed the stuff, gets addicted to it. They're like... <laughs> Which is what? nuts. They, 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 give it, they give it to the computer. They're like, what's going on with this candy computer? They're like, perfectly normal candy. I need an additional sample. More candy now. <laughs> like, it's pretty awesome. And, and I mean, we know that... That computers and robots completely infallible, so must be pretty good. Anyhow, they Justice Department figures out that they can cure the addiction to the Umpty Candy now. Like that says, it's only been out for like like a couple months. But what if like it's been out for years and they have to try to withdraw people from this candy? They got to do something to stop it. 
So it's going to be crazy. Uncle Lump is arrested again. Lots of riots in the second half of Judge Dredd this month. Um, and more he's riots. An adorable old man with a great top hat. He's, he's so cute. He's dressed like Uncle Sam, dude, with a top hat that like. But he's like short. He's like five. He's like four feet tall, and his top hat's the rest of it, like two feet uh, in height. He's such a cute little dude. Yeah, he gets arrested, okay. and he's he's uh, accidentally killed under interrogation. Holy crap! Oh my god! But actually, he's secretly alive, and they're going to ship him off planet. Yeah, the riots are quickly um, quelled, and the real Uncle Ump, still alive, is instead put aboard a spaceship and exiled to the stars. And mind you, when Judge Dredd grabs him, he's like, tears in his eyes. He's like, I don't know why this is happening. I haven't committed a crime. He's so sad. I just wanted people to... I just wanted people to like my candy. (laughs) And, like, you can clearly see he's the most innocent sweet maker on the planet. He's like your granddad. Like, oh, please have a cookie. Exile to space forever. (laughs) Yes, sometimes the innocent must suffer, says Judge Dredd. Yeah, it's one life versus 800 million, you know? (laughs) Oh. It, it, it cut me to the core, man. It's tough. It's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not sure if Uncle Ump ever returns. It doesn't seem like it from just the cursory research I've done. Well, they sent him to the vacuum of freaking space. Yeah, man. but in a spaceship, man, he could come back like as a crazy supervillain or something. I don't know. Anyhow, next next time we do progs, it's New Year's canceled. <laughs> oh my god. This yeah. is just a really intense episode. Episode 45, Progs 146 to 149, January 1980. Thrill 1, Judge Dredd. Dude, the cover for this prog was really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first cover that we, uh, uh, the first prog this month, Prog 146, is just Judge Dredd in the rain with his gun and says, New Year is cancelled. <laughs> Which. <laughs> great yeah so the uh the script robot for judge red all this month is john wagner writing is john howard the art robots are brendan mccarthy mike mcmahon ron smith and brian bolland and the lettering robot is tom frame so we start it's december 31st 2001 and it's time to celebrate the new year unless judge dread finds you because J- new year's is canceled Get your ass off the street and stop being celebratory. That's right. To figure out why, we're going to have to go to a flashback. Albert Sherman was born four years ago to dumb parents who wanted a smart kid. (laughs) So So what do you do? Well, you'd toss him inside an auto-teach machine so he becomes super smart. By the time he was four, Albert is a business mogul with his parents as his willing lackeys. Just like amazing <laughs> yeah he like he yells at him and they're like oh it's right for him to yell at us because we're because he's so smart and we're so dumb um but he's, he's tired of business and he's got his sights sets on other things namely to become the king of mega city one. Oh snap yeah Freckles and all <laughs> he contacts the justice department with the news that he's hidden five h-bombs around the city they have to give in to his demands or he'll detonate them First demand, cancel New Year's. I do like that uh, Judge Griffin, when he, like, contacts Judge Griffin. Yeah. He's just like, I wanted, I'm the king of Mega City 1 now. And he's like, a boy of your intelligence should know that we don't have kings here, Albert. 
Yeah. And Albert <laughs> just sets so, off an H-bomb out into Cursed Earth. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, well, all right, we'll cancel Christmas. I mean, New Year's for everybody. At least until we catch him. <laughs> oh, um, snap. Yeah, the judges are forced to submit while they look for the bombs, which are uh, set on a one-hour dead man switches. So if they like take down Albert, if he doesn't put in a code every hour, they'll, they'll go off. Once the bombs are found, Judge Dredd arrests Albert and forces him to disarm the bombs by handcuffing the kid to the first <laughs> bomb that'll blow up so that he'll die if he doesn't disarm them. Which, you know... Really good plan, to be honest. I mean, you know, he probably wasn't expecting to go up with the bombs, you know. Um, <laughs> so Not Albert, too smart. Yeah, exactly. Got to realize that uh, power comes with consequences. A- Albert agrees, and the city is saved. But what's to be done with this would-be king of Me- of Mega City One? Answer: Send him to the Justice Academy to learn right from wrong, become a judge, and probably like you know. Get the shit beaten out of him a bunch until he becomes a weird automaton that's also brilliant. Well, we'll see Albert again in the pages of um, 2000 AD in the magazine, but not until 2012. So, you know, just put a pin in this for later. Good God. <laughs> All right. So next up, really amazing uh, classic Judge Dredd story. Dredd and an older judge, Judge Minty, crime blints a citizen named Tommy. Minty tries to talk Tommy into giving up the Kovacs mob. But Dredd just rousts the place, finds a ton of incriminating evidence, including traces of tobacco, and forces Tommy to give them the info. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Dredd calls Minty out on being too soft, and then the pair head out to take down the Kovacs gang. Uh, which, Dredd thinks, Kovacs should have done months ago. Yeah, Minty's been talking about, like, the whole time he's like, ah, fucking... Wish the city was good, and maybe we should be nice. And Judge Dredd's like, oh, fuck that. He's old and soft. The Kovacs start shooting, and Minty wants to wait them out, but Dredd heads in, guns a-blazing. He, he takes yes, out the, do. yeah, he takes out the whole gang with bike cannons and dodgems, which are what they're calling ricochet bullets now, and just generally good motorcycle riding. The leader, Kovacs, is thrown out of a window and crawls for his gun as Minty warns him to stop. But the perp shoots him and is then put down by Judge Dredd. Oh, God. At the hospital, Judge Minty admits that he's too old to be a judge. He's gone soft, expecting people to not be criminals and to try to go easy on them. And he knows that because he's thinking that, it's time to quit being a judge. So he's offered a cushy job at the Academy of Law. Yeah, but he won't take it. He's been on the street too long. Instead, he accepts the final duty of all retired judges to take the long walk into Mutyland to bring just to bring law to the lawless until death. Oh, it's the long walk! Woo! <laughs> this is pretty awesome. Like it's just like this last shot where he's just like, all right, peace out, I'm walking Want- into watering off in the wilderness, with a pistol. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a lawgiver, so it's pretty awesome. Um, if, if, if you, if you're listening to this and Fox do, if you like this story and want to see more of it and the adventures of Judge Minty in Mutiland to an extent, you should definitely go out of your way to find the, uh, the Judge Minty fan film that was made by, uh, a friend of the show, Steve Green. What? Follows us on Twitter and stuff. They did, they, they, uh, he and a bunch of other folks did a 30 minute, like, live action movie of, um, 
of like Judge Minty and the Curse. First, this story here, and then Judge Minty and the Curse Earth, and it's super duper awesome. Um, Dude, I I just found it. It's got nearly like seven hundred thousand views. Yeah, it's good as any. Made in twenty thirteen. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna watch this. You you gotta watch it. They did a uh, a Strontium Dog movie too. Oh, which, I, sh- I see that right here. Which I I, oh. I haven't been telling you about. Which I I kept forgetting to mention when we were doing Strontium Dog earlier, and then I kind of held off just because we haven't really gotten to a real like Strontium Dog story yet, just in terms of like. Right them being at the dog house and all the other strontium dogs and stuff like that. So there's not a lot of context for you yet, but just from sort of what, what I know you Fox know about strontium dog and stuff, but I, it's definitely worth a watch. Both these are really awesome and like worthy of your YouTube time, you know? Well, I YouTube a lot and this is queued up on my tube views. Yeah. Like there's a, like, especially I'd say the, the judge dread one has, t- has a, a ton of judge dread in jokes and stuff that I think you'll really appreciate Fox. Holy, holy crap! The Strontium Dog fan film was made this year. Yeah, it just it was came like out two days ago. Yeah, I think, or maybe pre—I I know pretty recently. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty exciting, honestly. Oh, yeah, May twenty third. What the hell? Freak out, buddy! Shout out to Minty. I'm, I'm down. I watch a yeah. fan film. Awesome. So. Next up in our progs, people in Mega City 1 are growing alien seeds. First, they grow as weird, angry oh. plants. Then they turn into weird, bitey animals, each one about the size of like a softball or something. So people just kind of throw them out in the street, and now they're becoming a surge on the, a scourge on the city, just balls of murder teeth rolling around town. I kind of feel like people who buy and grow alien seeds sort of deserve to be bitten, eaten. Agreed. Yeah, they're they're weird and gross. Um, <laughs> so, Dread investigates the source of the alien seeds and eventually tracks them to the Mega City One space farm, where indeed there is a massive alien seed growing operation. Dread <sighs> Dread takes out one of the farmers. Another is eaten by giant, low-gi grown alien seed monsters. In the end, Dread kills the gravity on the station, and the monsters quickly die in a zero gravity environment. And the surviving farmer is off to the ISO cubes. I, you know how? So there's this part where he comes onto the station, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, freak out! There's a judge here." Yeah, and then they leave that guy behind to mess up with the plants because they've got to get cropped right right they just yeah, so beat the shit out of them with clubs <laughs> yeah well I, I, I think that's it's just, how you do it it seems like yeah you, you well, well you know you, you got to cut them back a little bit so they don't turn into stage two and become sort of big but bitey you know giant bite monsters which they do as soon as that as soon as they leave that 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 one guy alone to do it because it's like a three-man job apparently <laughs> to beat the shit out of all these plants that's right Listen, I don't know how animal husbandry works, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like had I known that, I'd have, I'd have been a hand, uh, I don't husbandrist. Uh, yeah, alien seed farmer. <laughs> alien seed farmer. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's Anyhow. Really yeah, it's definitely bizarre. But hey, here we go with the big thing, <laughs> which is. Um, a criminal escapes the judges in the back alleys of Mega City One, um, when suddenly he is confronted by a judge, but not just a judge. Oh God, who is it? It's Judge Death, man. Instead of an eagle, he's got a yeah. 
He's got a bat-winged gargoyle on one shoulder instead of an eagle. He's got a, another shoulder pad with bones on it. His helmet's made of, like, sharpened bones, and his, the bottom, his bottom face is a skeletal rictus. His badge, a fanged skull that reads, Death! It's Judge Death! This is pretty cool looking, man, and shout out to Balland for, like, this is a really beautiful comic. Absolutely, yeah. So Death's hand reaches out into the perp's chest, goes straight through, like, Indiana Jones the Temple of Doom style, and it strikes the perp dead right away. My name is Death. I have come to judge you. Bad news. <laughs> yeah. The judges find the perp's body, and he's died of terror. They find some some old flesh under his under his fingernails. It's so old it seems like the skin has been dead for centuries. Dread and the other judges are on patrol as Death wanders into the Rabbit Club, where general nightclub action is being held. A DJ is playing the number one hit, Who Put the Bop? And the sound abounds! Which, uh, who put the boop on my best round of boots? Who put the glop on my zigga zigga zang? Yeah, sound abounds. Um. (laughs) (laughs) As you say. We cut away as Death kills the DJ, and then we then we cut to uh, Dread and the other judges arriving to find the entire nightclub lying dead at Death's feet. <laughs> the judges attack Death. Judge Ross rushes him and is judo chopped into instant death for it. The remaining Great. four judges open fire and blast Death, but he just gets back up. You cannot kill what does not live. I have come to bring law to this city. My law. The law of death. Which I guess is just killing people, right? Yep. Next uh, next, next <laughs> episode, The Guilty and the Damned. Yeah, Judge Death is pretty creeps. Yeah, this is the... This is the first of a, of a of a three-part story, Fox. Next week, we'll both defeat Death and meet uh, Judge Anderson. And it's going to be real cool. All right. You got me at, at Anderson. Oh, I yeah. Like, but... I like her from that one movie of what I did see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, com- com- you know, Prague Anderson's pretty different from movie Anderson. Mm. But I think you'll like, uh, you'll like comic Anderson because she's great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Yeah. Other than that, the long walk, we got two heavy hitters this time. Yeah, there's some pretty pretty important dread stuff in just the like in just two of the stories of of, of this month's uh progs. It's pretty interesting actually. I enjoy these one-offs. Episode 46, Progs 150 to 153, February 1980. 301 Judge Dread. Hey, uh, Conrad, how do you take care of a spoopy ghost? I mean, well, if bullets won't work, Fox, the answer is, of course, incendiary rounds. (laughs) (laughs) What happens if he burns all up and everyone's like, well, he's dead, but then he's not? Well, I mean, if it's like in the case with Judge with Judge Death and um, the start of our of our Judge Dread coverage, and Judge Death gets burned up from incendiary charges and then reforms as like a cloud that says that uh, everyone will be judged, then I guess you just kind of sh- shrug your shoulders and move on because that's all you can do. <laughs> as yeah, like, his, well. yeah, as his ghostly form sort of flies away, you know. Yeah. 
He's a spooky ghost. Guess we're going to have to call in, like, maybe a hot psychic. Uh, but first, let me do the credits, because I just want to oh, say that right. script robots for this month is John Wagner as John Howard and Pat Mills. The art robots are Brian Ballin and Ron Smith, and the lettering robots Tom Frame. But yes! <laughs> <laughs> my favorite person! I Truly my favorite. Yeah, so... Andy. Yeah, Judge Death is so Judge Death's body is brought down to the morgue to get some regular science done on it. But we got to do some hoodoo mystical science on it too. So, buddy, it's time to call in the top operator of the Justice Department side division, Judge Cassandra Anderson, and the crowd goes wild. Woo! <laughs> Dude, she's awesome. I like her business, and I like the way that she handles herself. Yeah, she's really, like, the opposite of Dread. Like, she never wears her helmet. She's really, like, flip and non-serious. Like, she just, you know, she shows up and, like, starts trying to banter with Dread, and Dread's like, no way. Yeah. Um. She's like, come on. What I love is uh, is uh, she she's just like... Uh, you know, basically, ah, don't worry about Dread. I can already read what's going on. Can't keep your guilty secrets from a telepath. And he's like, I don't have no guilty secrets. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this is sort of, yeah, this is, of, of course, classic first appearance. Uh, Judge Anderson, she's super heavily influenced by Debbie Harry of sort of 7980. Oh, um, wow, yeah. Like, you know, it, they've, ex- like, like, They've explicitly said so in like interviews and stuff like that. You can really see if you, if if you put the two of them side by side and stuff. So yeah, she like yeah she she tries to start witty banter with Dread. Dread's not Dread is not having it. She scans the skull of Judge Death and makes a connection. She speaks with Dread's voice, or she speaks with Death's voice and sort of explains some Judge Death backstory, like he comes from a world where the judges determine that all crime is committed by the living and thus life itself must be made illegal, and now he's come to bring that justice to our world as well. There's nothing more attractive than a woman speaking with, like, a weird Skeksis voice. <laughs> Anyhow, this is where we start getting, this is where we get, not quite together, but the classic Judge Death line of, uh, the crime is life, the sentence is death. So great. So, with that, with that established, uh, Judge Anderson heads out. See you later, adjudicator. And <laughs> gets ready for bed back at her um, at her judge apartment. Which, hey, great. Yep. Temper and nap. <laughs> but as she does, the ghostly form of Judge Death arrives, takes control of her mentally, flies through her window, and possesses her body. Now they're partners in death. What a jerk. Yeah. So we cut to uh, Judge Anderson being controlled by Judge Death. She goes to the Mega City One morgue and retrieves his body. Um, and she takes oh, out all the guards the way, along the way. Is, this is my favorite face that she makes. It's just like the, uh, like yeah, she's, gritting teeth. <laughs> she's very grossed out by both what she has to do and by the fact that she's been taken control of by a, uh, by a rampaging death monster from beyond the stars, basically. Exactly. Um, some, some more guys try to stop her and she kicks them and she kicks one of them out, out the window. Um, Dude with high heels on, just mm-hmm. like, boom, get out yeah. of my face. Hey, she doesn't care, buddy. Dread's sort of on the chase, and Anderson is um, trying desperately to resist death. Like, they're in an ambulance, and she, like, crashes it, so they have to start walking. 
Um, at, hardcore. Yeah, as they walk, she like broadcasts her location to Psy Division and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. despite the best efforts of Judge of Judge Death to stop her, she sort of broadcasts psychically both her location and one word, boing. I love I love the psychic lady. She's just touching her face like, ooh, I'm getting psychic feelings. <laughs> I mean, it definitely like side division definitely sort of crosses the crosses like walks the line of silliness sometimes just because they do sometimes use it as an opportunity to make jokes about sort of people with psychic powers who who claim to have psychic powers possibly in real life and stuff absolutely um but Although i think this does start to turn real dark after this point yeah but i i i think it's basically well done um but so yeah uh they, they figure out that uh, Anderson is leading them to a, a low-rise Conapt building. There, Anderson is treating Death's body with these dead fluids that will re- revitalize him, I guess. So what's a dead fluid? I have no idea. In the con- Like, right now, it's no idea. It's just whatever. Just missed, you know, some junk that'll bring him back to life. It doesn't matter. Um <laughs> Dread has the room sealed, like sealed airtight, and then barges in, blowing up Death's body with high ex with with, with high explosives rounds. Um, so what happens is that he gets like a full on double fist to the face. Yeah, I don't well, even know what you call that. Anderson, yeah, J- Judge Death sort of fully possesses Anderson again, and she gives him what I call the uh, the uh, Will- the uh, William Shatner death blow or a hammer blow. <laughs> Because yes. the like li- like uh, li- like link your fingers together into sort of one big fist and then smash the guy across the face with that is a total like William Shatner and Star Trek move all the time all day that's his that's his finisher you know yeah, but dude. with death inside Anderson Dread brings out the uh, spray can of Boeing that he's brought with and her- with with him and fully encases Anderson with it. It's crazy. Like he just encases her in an impenetrable casing of Boeing. She sort of falls unconscious, and both the side judge and the evil death judge are trapped in space age plastic forever. It's fucked up. And yeah. then they put her in what's called the Hall of Heroes, which I'm guessing is just a bunch of other weirdly encased people. And or, she gets or just, this cool yeah. crest that just says just supreme sacrifice, and I'm like, but I, but I like her so much. Why is she gonna be in plastic? <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, I, I assume the Hall of Heroes is just like like sort of the Hall of Fame of judges. Like once you die, you you know, if you die particularly heroically, you get like in it enshrined there. It's, it's probably the same place where that memorial for Judge Fargo is that the guys used to oh, infiltrate yeah. the Hall of Justice during Judge Callan stuff. Yeah, I wanna, yeah. I want to also mention that besides Supreme Sacrifice, Judges Ander- Judge Anderson's <laughs> crypt also says, like, Judge Anderson, a monster dwells within her. <laughs> this show awesome. I I don't know if I'd go near a case that said that. It's true. So anyhow, they're trapped in there forever, or at least until August of 1981. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing she was a popular choice. I mean, man, like, I mean... It's a it's it's an interesting thing that that they didn't have Anderson in um, the Stallone movie, um, just because yeah they, maybe because they didn't want to have um, they didn't want to deal with psychic stuff in in that one, um, you know instead they have Judge Hershey who will meet like maybe not next month but in the next couple months. Right. They're sort of the big two female judges of this sort of early period that that both get introduced in nineteen eighty. 
Um, but like, it's super telling that you know there that Judge Anderson was in the 2012 movie. You know, yeah. Like this is sort of a this this is a long term character who we're meeting here, and we're going to have you know to one extent or another, Judge Anderson is going to be a a continued force throughout the uh, rest of Judge Dredd. You know, her hair is going to uh, change as time goes by, but the the basis of her character of this sort of like. Um, you know, telling jokes, kind of being a foil for dread and stuff like that is going to really remain strong. Well, and I, I was going to say, like, uh, God, what is her name? Uh, Diane Lane. Like, she's yeah. she's all right, but I like Olivia Thur- Thurlby. I think that's right. How, yeah, like one of the, it's something like I that. I like her a lot more as as like an actress. Mm. Like Diane Lane is fucking boring. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sorry, man. I got opinions. <laughs> That's fine. I would never gainsay anyone's opinion about that sort of movie casting stuff. I, I never know. Mm. <laughs> Let's go to uh, the, our next uh, big story. Pat, Pat Mills is back. And with it, um, a, a, another one of his specialties, which is stories that connect different parts of the 2080 universe together. Um, this time, we're once again visiting revisiting uh, Satanus who, of course, is the deadly T-Rex from the Cursed Earth, son of old One-Eye, father of uh, Golgotha from the ABC Warriors. So awesome. Yeah. The legacy continues. <laughs> so <laughs> some researchers in Mega City One have found, like, a big store of um, of Satanus's like, plasma, basically, and they talk about, like, oh, we could use this to clone new T-Rexes, but that's been banned by the judges. <laughs> so I guess we'll just hold on to it for nondescript purposes hey you never know um (laughs) (laughs) when a t-rex fucking plasma might be like necessary i'd rather have it than need it buddy (laughs) that's fair but what happens if some like well so guy (laughs) yeah so then a researcher quote unquote cyril j ratfinkel sort of wonders Which, idly what what someone would what would happen if someone drank the blood and basically just gets like knocked on the back of the head and told to go back to making copies because that's dumb yeah it is stupid like okay they would drink blood and it'd probably not be great how's yeah, that but like man if you drink like 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 if, if you eat a rare steak and you eat drink cow blood you don't turn into a cow but whatever <laughs> yeah but cow isn't like a billion jajillion years old fucking thing you know totally yeah I, i'm not trying to gain say that the, 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 the plot of this story far be far from it all i <laughs> all i'm saying is that what this story taught me is never trust a scientist they're gonna no. fucking drill a hole in your floor and draw blood in your drink yeah that's what cyril does man he takes he steals a bunch of the, of the dino plasma he takes it home he drills a hole in his floor and then does that sort of str- <laughs> like thing where you drop a string and then you drop the liquid on the string thing so you get a more accurate like flow of drops, and he basically doses his downstairs neighbor's wine with, um, as they're like, as as he and his like fiance are celebrating some deal, he basically doses it with Satanas blood. Yeah, well, it's like so. Not only is this their wedding anniversary, right. but they're like the super nicest people in the world. They're like, we've got great jobs. We love the city. The judges are great. Like, Judge Jed protects us. They're like model citizens to the nth degree. And he's just like, oh, I'm yeah. just going to like put this in your drink now. Yeah. So now this guy's, so now the downstairs neighbor uh, wrecks appropriately enough. 
<laughs> God is getting is he, he's getting dosed with satanus blood. He starts to grow like scales, and his teeth sharpen a little bit. Uh, Cyril Ratfinkel bumps into him on the elevator and offers to help him with his symptoms by giving him medicine. But that medicine is just more satanus <sighs> blood. Um. God. Soon, Rex is getting aggressive, like eating raw meat and building a big nest out of furniture in the apartment. And it's really awkward. Possibly eating the alien pets of neighbors. Um, <laughs> Definitely he, eating the alien pets of neighbors. And then shoving his wife outside and being like, get the fudge out of here. Yeah. She, yeah he, 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 he makes her leave. She's nervous and she calls Judge Dredd to, co- to come check on Rex. But Dredd's a little busy right now sort of taking on a uh, lunatic who's taking hostages and stuff like that. Can you just directly call a judge? Um, I think he she called the switchboard and asked and said that she had a problem, but she'd only speak to Judge Dredd about it. Gotcha. Which, like, I guess that's how it could work, but it doesn't seem like a like it doesn't seem seem seem, seem like a good way to run a justice department, if you ask me. I guess. No, man. I feel like you just get the judge you're gonna get because, yeah. and that's if you get one. Mm-hmm. So after Judge Dredd takes out the punk, um, holding people hostage. Dredd just uh, thinks about investigating, but realizes that uh, the wife, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay never left her address, so he doesn't know where to go. Meanwhile, Lindsay goes to confront Rex, who is now transformed into a full-on, <laughs> like, T-Rex man. Homo Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. So Rex kills Lindsay and drags her body into his nest. Ratfinkel looks on with glee through the hole in his floor and, like, super stoked. He calls the new species Homo Tyrannosaurus. He's a weird fucking perv, that dude. Yeah, and finally pays for it because Rex's next victim is Finkel, is Rat Finkel himself. Yeah, man. Fuck that guy. Yeah, totally eaten. Whatever. Dred's finally here on the case. He's pissed that they couldn't have stopped the death of Lindsay because she didn't leave her address. And that's why <laughs> 911 uh, tracks your location when you make a call. So be careful about hanging up on 911 if you call it accidentally. That's well, my... So me- message to you. He's like, he's like another innocent citizen dead, all because of stupidity. And like, another judge is like, ah, oh, you know, we couldn't have done anything about it. Don't be so hard on yourself. And he's like, she could have left her address. Yeah, she's so, the stupid one, basically. It's <laughs> like, an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting character moment from Dread here for sure. It's amazing. Sorry, so Dredd's on the hunt for Rex, and Rex is on the run. He's changed back to human, because I guess he's like a were-T-Rex, basically. Um, but Dredd sort of follows Rex to his office and catches him there, coming face-to-face with the beast. It seems that Rex has tried to hang himself, but when he did, he went full <laughs> T-Rex instead. So it's Monsterverse Judge, as Dredd's lawgiver is knocked away, and Rex's tail wraps around his neck, choking him. Will. Also, just want to say, mm-hmm. this is before Aliens, right? No, before this is Alien. after Alien. Th- this is after Alien. Oh, shit. So, yeah, there you go. This yeah, is very I'm, Alien, man. Yeah, that, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely sort of a sci-fi horror kind of feel to it. Um, but so, next time, will Dread make a meal for the monster? Don't miss next Prague. <laughs> or next episode, I, I suppose. I mean, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions here, but I think the answer is no. I mean, I, I guess I don't know, but probably not. Ah, uh, spoil sport, dude. Episode 47. Progs 154 to 158. March 1980. Thrill 2. Judge Dread. 
I mean, not yet a classic team. There's one coming up. <laughs> no, um, right now he's getting uh, he's getting railed by an alien. That's right. So uh, script robots for Judge Dredd are um, Pat Mills and John Wagner writing as John Howard. The art robot is Ron Smith and Brian Bolland. The lettering robot's Tom Frame. So... Rex Peters, where we last left off, Rex Peters is drinking the blood of Satanus, and now he's going to drink the blood of Dread, unless Dread oh, has tasty. anything to say about it. Yeah, uh, choked by his tail, Dread pulls out his boot knife and uh, attacks the the uh, blood of Satan, the uh, you know Rex's tail, and sort of Rex yowls in pain, and the lizard man escapes into the night with Dread in hot pursuit. It's Onto the dark streets of old New York as a hard rain falls. Rex goes back to human form as Dredd gives chase across the rooftop. Tops pausing to arrest a guy for breaking into his apartments because whether you're a burglar yeah. or a were tyrannosaur out for human blood, everybody deserves to get justice on the streets of Mega City 1 from Judge Dredd. So he handcuffs him to a railing. This will be important later. It's true. <laughs> So, Dredd knows he has to take desperate measures to flush out Rex, so he cuts his own own wrist, knowing that the blood will send Rex into a frenzy, and it does. We get an awesome four-panel morphing scene as Rex's attempts to pray with an A oh. turn into Satanus's hunger for prey with an E. Oh, my God. <laughs> the monster attacks the handcuffed burglar, and Dredd shoots him through the heart. Oh, now he's dead. Yeah. Thank God. Because it was such a blessing, nightmare over. He basically, he as Rex dies, he changes back to human and thanks Dredd for keeping him from doing more damage to the city. And Dredd says that's just all part of the job, just routine as a judge in Mega City 1. Huh. Yep, just gotta kill a man for turning into a dinosaur too many times. He turned into a monstrous dinosaur and killed like at least five people, dude. <laughs> Alright? I mean, whatever, they were humans. I mean, also, that was sad. Episode 25, 2000 AD Annual 1979. Thrill 12, Judge Dread. Just kind of a return to form uh, to like the original Dreads this week. Yeah, this is like, you know, we've seen sort of at, over the course of the Cursed Earth, we've really seen Judge Dread evolve into a new look and a different sort of bearing and stuff. And this is more of a return to sort of the original version of Dread. He's a little skinnier. Got kind of a different looking helmet and stuff. You know, it's just a different, slightly different character. Less of a chin or a more tapered chin versus <laughs> the, uh, the you know, square brick that we're starting to get more and more of in uh, the modern progs. <laughs> but basically, there's a wave of deaths among the wet, the less fortunate, sweeping Mega City One. Judge Dredd investigates. He stops by everybody's favorite informant, Max Normal, the pinstripe freak. So and awesome. Judge Dredd gets the answer. It turns out to be a suicide arcade. Which you, I wasn't expecting that coming nah. in. <laughs> It's cool though. You uh, you hit the top score. You win money. You 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 don't get the top score. You die. <laughs> Which I mean, like, it didn't seem like there was any particular reason that this stuff was happening. It's just like, nah, we just kill you. Well, yeah, like you sort of you play pinball or something, and or or like a slot machine. You mm. pull the lever, and you either get the uh, get the right thing, or and 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 then you win money, or you. Uh, 
Or there's a, a, a gun comes out and it blasts you right in the face. And it's like, oh, geez, you know. I mean, it's like I'd get it if it was like recording for people who wanted to see deaths or something like that. It's just yeah, not it's just, just a dude malicious. Being, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Panic's evil, man. I, which I appreciate. I, I that, like that he goes yeah. to the evil the evil extent of making something comically evil. For sure. Yeah, so Judge Dredd tries to break it up. He gets beaten up by the uh, guys at the uh, in the arcade thing. He gets taken <laughs> hostage, and we see the evil owner of the Death Arcade, Dr. Panic, who's this kind of cyborg guy. Who's got a shirt on that just says Panic across the chest. It's great. Of course. He's got a shredder <laughs> look to him. Yeah. <laughs> so he sort of pits Judge Dredd against this uh, robot against this robo judge it's like a quick draw expert yep dread's only got one bullet to try to take this this uh, robo judge down and rather than shoot him he shoots the volt the uh high voltage power box for the for the arcade shutting all the all the, all the lights off smart guy yeah. uh, but dr panic not that smart for keeping that in there <laughs> dr panic goes to investigate and turns the lights back on and try to reposition the robo judge so now he'll shoot dr panic instead um <laughs> Dread pushes Panic out of the way at the last minute, grabs Panic's gun, kills the robo-judge, and now Dr. Panic is arrested, and he'll do 20 years in the time stretcher, which sounds what pretty is, bad. What is a time stretcher? I don't know. I don't think we've heard an explanation for it yet. Okay. If there ever is one, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, uh, neat return to form, kind of like, uh, you know, villain of the week sort of stuff for Dread, but... I, I always kind of found that stuff charming more so yeah. than than terrible or anything like that. No, it's, it's just not, a fun bad guy, whatever. And, and it's not in, in like a lot of these um, are returned to form or rather a, a like kind of a hearkening back to the. Yeah, they're old, old school form. versions of a lot of these guys. Yeah, which is neat. But most of them fall on their face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, kind of a quieter case file, but still an important one. A fertile source of stories in the coming years of Judge Dredd. I think also at last we may have found a case file that might be good to give a new reader of Judge Dredd. It's just these fun little Dredd stories by important artists that establish the world Dredd lives in and provides that baseline that I've talked about previously that then mega epics can iterate from. A world, it creates a world that can then be threatened or destroyed in the course of a case file, I suppose is what I mean. It's also, in terms of just not being daunting for a new reader, a bit slimmer than previous case files. I think that's why the annual story that's at the end of this one is in here. And of course, this case file is a bit slimmer for reasons that we'll get into in our next case file. Ooh. Until then, I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K. For everything else, look up SpaceSpinner2000. You should find us there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardinghan, Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And in our next case file, it's time for another epic. 
This time, Dred's going across, is going back to the cursed earth, to Texas City, and then to the stars above, all in search of the Judge Child. It's an exciting story that'll have implications for years to come in Judge Dredd, not the least of which for introducing us to those greatest of Dredd villains, Mean Machine and the rest of the Angel Gang. Besides that, we've also, we'll also have more escalation of the conflict between the Sobsit and quite a bit of um, ugly action. Otto Sump will return several times for um, at least one more get-rich-quick scheme and also another long-term character introduction as um, Judge Dredd handles the city's graffiti problems and has to uh, chop his way through some difficulties, if you take my meaning. I hope we'll see you then on the next Case File Collection, and until then, Splendid Verthus!